Uh, good evening, folks. It's not normally me who introduces these things, but um, we realised as uh, we this is a show with no format whatsoever, we'd get the most form and function free member of us to, <laughs> to introduce. I nominated it. you, Dave. I nominated uh, you. That's right. Becca obviously redu- uh, introduces the normal show. And then in previous years, we've done the summer review. So just before I introduce any everybody, the, the difference tonight is we're just going to talk. And it could be it could turn into a really disciplined talk through all the films of the year. Or it could be three hours on the Queen's funeral. We've got absolutely <laughs> no idea. Let's hope it won't. Um, what I'm wondering, though, is whenever I try and do a, a trailer for one of our normal films, I end up with clips of us not talking about the film at all. So I'm wondering if, with this being completely function-free, I'll get a really tight trailer talking about Don't Look Up or something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it'll do the opposite. But anyway, joining me tonight, as always, I'm Dave Bond, as you know, and with me is Chris Byrne and Rebecca Andrews. Hello. Hello. All right. Well, Wait, we... I mean, Becca will be sort of speaking in unison as we just... <laughs> <laughs> Good, it's good evening from me and it's good evening from him well it's been a bit of an odd year for lots of reasons one of them would be it's not it's not been quote unquote a covid year although we know people out there are still suffering with it my wife had it again only two weeks ago but in terms of cinema releases we're now into probably the new normal in that i don't think cinema grosses have grown quite back to what they were but they're probably at 90 percent but that model of starting to release things on streaming hasn't completely stopped. So there's still a lot of new releases on streaming, more than perhaps had the pandemic not happened. And we know that um, Cineworld, for example, uh, the British chain went into administration recently. I do believe somehow they are linked to AMC, the, um, the biggest American chain. They're certainly yeah, linked to they're, one they're of them. Basically, they're basically the same company. Yeah, yeah but I think branded they're different. Yeah, I mean, Cineworld was a merger of two different cinemas over here about 15 years ago anyway. Mm. Um, they're still going, though, I think. Yeah. They, is it, uh, Odeon isn't... What's the Odeon in the States, though? Is it, is, uh, is it AMC? Or I don't know. Like... I don't know. Cineworld was UGC and somebody else. I forget who I'll it was. I'll be able to tell you that, because I went on a tour of my local <laughs> Odeon recently. So please bear with, caller, whilst I find the information. Okay. UGC used to be Virgin Cinemas. Before that, it was MGM. So they've all been around the houses several times. It's mm. one of the reasons that MGM has a card scheme because UGC had one. So they've okay, kept UCI it. was one. I UCI and UGC, I think, merged. I couldn't think of the name. So yeah, Odeon Cinemas Group is owned by AMC Entertainment Holdings. Okay. So we're in this. AMC sort of, Theatres. There we go. We're in this year where we probably could have done a summer review, but I still don't think the movie business has quite recovered. Now, it could be, genuinely, I'm getting old and I'm starting to look at films that go, not as good as they used to be, which I hope I'm never going <laughs> to do. But there are there are trends in it all that I'm not enjoying. And, uh, yeah, it's just come to this point where, because of streaming, because of us on all not going to see the major release every week, we're all seeing different things. So a list of what I've seen will not correspond with a list of what Beck has seen and a list of what Chris has seen. So we're just going to have a general chat. Uh, but we may sort of just go on to our year more generally, because obviously it's, it's been a big year for Chris um, in some ways. Um, and it's been a big year for the world in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. I mean, are, are we still kind of living in limbo post-2020? Uh, I think so. And, and one of the reasons I say that is trends take a while to play out. So 
if you think two things, firstly, streaming deals would be done far ahead of time. So, for example, the first new film I saw this year was Don't Look Up. The uh, the film I just mentioned in the intro a minute ago, the Leonardo DiCaprio film about uh, asteroid. Is it an asteroid hitting Earth? It's something like something that. Like, yeah. But it, it's an Adam McKay film, and it's it's kind of a satire, as per the Big Short, about how people's attention spans are so short that you can actually warn them you're all about to die, and they they'll barely look up from their phones. And it's all about how how we market it for like TV views and keep people watching by being positive and stuff like that. Well, don't look up. It may have come out before Christmas. I don't know, but I'm seeing I watched it on New Year's Day. Well, the deal to put that on Netflix with one of the biggest stars in Hollywood on of male actors and female with Jennifer Lawrence and a very strong cast backing them like Kate Blanchett and so on. That probably was made during Covid. So there are films like that, The Lost Daughter, Red Notice, films like that would probably have come out in movie theatres. And they didn't. Cruella. Cruella went straight to streaming. I mean, that that's Emma Stone. Oh, yeah, it went straight to Disney Plus, didn't it? No, no, yeah. that had, um, didn't that have a, a theatrical release, though? I'm a lot sure of the... That... I, I, well, when I say they go straight to streaming, apologies for my misspeaking there, because not necessarily straight. Glass Onion, for example, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I was concerned. about to decide that, actually. It, had, it may have had, like, a limited theatrical yeah, release. Yeah, forget limited releases for, like, awards consideration or previews or whatever. If their broad release is Netflix, it's a Netflix film, as far as I'm concerned. But, um, yeah, Don't Look Up was a Netflix film. So there's that. The other thing is, just, just trends in general last, in that we were watching films in 2009 and 10 that had real script problems. And that came from the writer's strike, which was 2007. Mm. So so I think some of these things take a while to, to play themselves out. And when I look through the list of like great or notable films I saw on the big screen this year, although I saw quite a lot, it was fairly limited. Yeah, nothing that blew you away. No, I mean, you've got the usual Marvel slate. And if anything, that was busier than normal. And we'll talk about Phase 4 later, I'm sure, because I've got real problems with Phase 4. But you take that away, and then, all right, you got the Batman, but that was more in the spring. And suddenly I'm looking through a list of, like, smaller films, because I wanted to go to the cinema. So, you know, um, mm. you know, I'm, I'm looking at... Uh, Top Guns are not obviously a notable um, exception, but right in the middle of the summer, I'm going to see stuff like Men, the low-budget British horror film with Rory Kinnear in it, and I'm also seeing things like the George Michael documentary, Freedom Uncut. Mm. And like Elvis was a much, much bigger release than it would be in a normal year, in my opinion. So it's been yeah. a really, really strange year. Really strange. Yeah, it's been an odd one, hasn't it? I think, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, we've got the confusion. Obviously, COVID has, has, it, has its effects with the pandemic and whatnot. Uh, and that's kind of changed the way, like... Um, They've looked at things like streaming. Now, now it's given uh, streaming platforms a big boost. And I think the market's still trying to like figure it out. And I think this is kind of what we're... Partly what we're seeing now. Because um, while well, we're not sure what kind of works and what, what's a hit and what's not. Um, because, you know, it, it it's all very good. Because a lot of people will think, oh, well, I'll wait till streaming. Because some have had simultaneous releases. Like they've been like, yeah, releasing theaters and going straight to streaming, yeah. or like say the Glass Onion, say for example, um, a lot of people, you know, myself included, would probably go. Um, 
Well, I could watch it in the, in, in the cinema, um, but it, it'll be out on Netflix in, in a few weeks, so I might as well just wait for that. Which is you know pretty I mean? much what I did. And yeah, yeah I, I mean, think it's pretty much what we all do, especially uh, if it doesn't come to a cinema near you. Then, it's muddy. You know, just, if, if it didn't. Yeah, it's also muddied by the fact that the streaming platforms are also fighting for their place. So we know, for example, although Disney overall makes absurd amounts of money, Disney Plus is still losing money. Mm. So that will Very influence them trying to build their own content because you've got to remember we're in the UK where we're getting things like I, I pick an example not necessarily a whole pro, high profile one but things like only murders in the building well that would be on hulu in the united states hmm. so if you look at disney plus just the one platform they're paying to run two platforms hulu and disney plus with all the sort of front end work on putting their interfaces up with the content split and really their new stuff is like star wars and marvel that's it so it's losing money. So it's no doubt that they're going to start saying, well, Cruella can go straight there and maybe people will buy a subscription. It's turning into sort of a tentpole as well, isn't it, for, for streaming? And also um, Netflix, I'm not prepared for this at all, unfortunately, um, but Netflix made headlines previously this year um, that they kind of lost subscribers or perhaps weren't gaining them as perhaps as quickly as they were in, in previous years, even during the pandemic, which I think, I think that's significant in some way, shape or form. It's very significant because now they're going for platforms where you can pay a fiver and like have adverts, and you think, well, that's just TV, isn't it? Yeah, it's just trying to get yeah. people in. Well, we're going to add up all our platforms and still be paying what we're paying for cable. It kind of always feels like inevitable, though, doesn't it? You feel like, right, okay, we'll just sort of everything reverts back to like how how things are. Like, oh, oh it used need... to be. Yeah, I wonder if we're yeah. now coming full circle. You know, because obviously everything's fragmented these days. Well, not very many. I certainly don't, but many people perhaps maybe of our generation certainly don't watch a lot of live TV. Um, I know Dave, you watch a lot of sporting events like Formula One and such. Um, but yeah, I wonder if things are now becoming so fragmented that they're actually, you know, the snake's eating its tail and it's kind of going, coming full circle. Well, I mean, to use a sporting example, I remember years ago, obviously uh, football, soccer, as some of you will know it listening, uh, went to or British, uh, English, sorry, Premier League, was formed and put straight on Sky behind a paywall. And they decided, the powers that be, that this is anti-competitive and unfair, so we need to break it into several packages. Well, any thought that that would mean great, some of it might be on terrestrial TV, immediately went away, and now you've got to buy three different <laughs> streaming services to watch it. <laughs> you know, it's it, ridiculous, it is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, it just makes me glad that I don't have to bother, bother with that. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not really into football, so yeah. it's... Uh, yeah. I don't have that issue. Sorry for everyone who does, but... <laughs> yeah. So, I guess a good place to start talking about um, films that have, or content that's sort of straddled the divide. We've sort of had the second half of Marvel Phase 4 this year. And if we look at television, I'll do television then the films, the television series have been Moonlight, Miss Marvel and She-Hulk. And the films this year have been, I mean, No Way Home was just before Christmas, but it's been Doctor Strange, Thor and Black Panther. And that, to me, is piss poor output, by and large. I don't know what you guys made it of it. It is the quality. It is the quality. Yeah, yeah, it is the quality, definitely. It's it, a bit... It's too much. It's the, the head guy being spread far, far too thin. And it's just a welter of content that loosely goes together. It follows a year last year, which was 
deeply dodgy. I mean, I thought The Eternals was appalling. And I think if I look at the three seasons series this year, for me, and only for me, I know people will vary, Moon Knight was at least interesting. Miss Marvel and She-Hulk, I, I thought, were both terrible. On the films, just for me, I thought Doctor Strange was okay. I thought Thor, Thor was terrible. And I thought Black Panther was okay. You haven't got the big hit, have you? No. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, sorry, go on. No, no, no. You, you finish. Go on. No, go on. Go on, carry on. Well, yes, I, I was going to say I haven't really seen. Well, I haven't seen any of the TV shows because I've just kind of just. It's kind of like with with the films as well. I've not even seen Black Panther just just because I've kind of just lost interest. Now, partly is that is because of you know what happened, life changing, yeah. and you your life changing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Priorities take uh, a bit step, and you think, do I really need to see it? Yeah, you, you tend to sort of seek out the films that you generally want to see. Yeah. And I found with Marvel, it's like, yeah, I can wait. I'll, I, I, I can, I can wait. I can wait to see it when it, when it, when it comes on Disney Plus when when we decide to have it. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'll catch it whenever. I'm not, I'm not jumping at the gun. To, uh, the thing with Marvel for me is they're trying to be the powerhouse behind the Disney Plus brand. So they're trying to do television, they're trying to do films, and they're trying to increase diversity. And you will not hear me say a word against diversity in principle today or complain about the contents of the film because of diversity or wokeness or anything like that. But the effect it does have is Black Widow, last year admittedly, was a massive tentpole release helmed by a woman who'd done a couple of films, none of, none of them big. Eternals was done by an art house director not suited to the material at all. Then you get Sam Raimi doing Doctor Strange, which is just the sort of person you don't think they would hire these days, but they did. Then you've got Taika Waititi, who um, everything's a fucking joke. <laughs> and oh. it's just such a mess of, of different tones presented in a homogenised way, but actually quite different under the surface and not in a good way. Yeah. I mean, I think it mostly is because the issue of that is that it's, you know, it's been with Kevin, with, uh, Kevin Feige, it's been stretched thin, always had to liaise with, with other with other producers who probably don't have the same eye or attention to detail as he does. Um, so you probably get uneven things. Like, like the stuff with um, uh, Eternals, you know, like, uh, like a, like a, like a fairly new director, like, well, Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier, you, you wouldn't have thought that film would be made by the, by the directors who made that at the time. True. That's uh, true. No, definitely. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I will just interrupt to say my comment on her relative lack of experience in suiting is based in hindsight on the, on the end result. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, based yeah. on the end result. If the Eternals yeah. had been amazing, I would have gone, what a wonderful idea that was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh definitely. I mean, it's, it's it's easy to sort of do it in hindsight as well, yeah, but it is. but then it, but then also none of us are in the room. I mean, like um, you know, I mean to to be fair on the, the Russos, they they did have a lot of experience elsewhere in terms of TV and things like that. Yeah. So they were they were like experienced behind the scenes, and they probably pitched really well, you know. But but and plus also they had you know Kevin Feige. A lot more attention to detail. Plus, you had uh, Guardians of the Galaxy that year as well, with James Gunn. Um, oh yeah. He, he would he would have 
seem as a bit of a an offshoot director. But then back then Marvel, it didn't really matter about. Well, it did matter about the director, but it, you know they didn't they didn't need a hot shot director. No, they, they didn't need like the biggest name. It was just like oh, someone who is on board with our vision and someone who who's who could be you know do some interesting stuff rather mm. uh, you know come up with some neat ideas. But but are willing to sort of like you know stay within like the confines of the universe, um, and that and that's why I could then I, I, work out with that man. Uh, absolutely, yeah. but sometimes the end result conversely confuses me, because I look at Obi Wan Kenobi and the, I'm only going to refer to one shot. I could refer to a lot in it to be fair, and I broadly I quite enjoyed it. But the the, the director on it, the sh- I, I don't know if she was showrunner as such, but she directed it off was Deborah Chow. Now. Far from going, well, what's she ever done like this? You look at her TV, and it's not bad. She's got a quite a wide, diverse um, experience, and she did a couple of uh, she did um, some episodes of the first season of The Mandalorian as well. And yet, through quality control, did did you ever see Kenobi? Obi Wan Kenobi? No. There's a shot in it where they're trying to get past. He's with a very young Leia, and he's trying to get past like a checkpoint. That is like it effectively an electric fence, right? And he's on foot, yeah. so no problem. And after a big fight, when he, they walk around it, and it's like we could have done that anyway because we got a wide shot. <laughs> it's a bit. Uh, do you know what it reminded me of? Mm. <clears throat> you know, at the end of Blazing Saddles, where they've got a, they put up a toll booth, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and they've all got to pay like ten cents or something to get through this toll booth when there's like <laughs> nothing but desert either side of it. <laughs> it's just like, how did that get through quality control? <laughs> how did this pass muster? Oh, it was terrible. It, it, we kind of, well, just hearing about it, it kind of reminds me a bit of uh, the, the movie, the Nicholas Cage film that was uh, out this year. You know, the uh, is it unbearable weight of? Are you on about well, the? Are you on about the cl- climbing over the wall? Yeah, and he's yeah. like, oh, I could have just walked. <laughs> yeah, but at least that was like intentional for the joke as well. So yeah, absolutely. I I saw um so yeah phase four we won't go on a, on about it too long but the, if the if we think of the two franchise big hitters this year you got that and Star Wars and uh, forget animated content or anything because I haven't seen it but uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and Andor were uh, the most obvious releases this year and they, I thought they were both okay Andor got all the raves. I was actually a bit bored by it, but some of that was I didn't really want an Andor spin-off anyway. I, my interest was limited. I thought it was fantastic. Conversely, yeah. I think it was for me. I, I, don't, I think I really dug the um, like the spy thriller elements as well. I mean, as much as you know, kind of immerses himself in that kind of really seventies grimy, worn, you know, lived in Star Wars. Um, oh god, sort of the world, obviously. But I kind of love like the spy thriller aspect of it as well, and the sort of conspiracy theory kind of themes going through it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I haven't seen a lot of TV this year. Yeah. Um, so for me, that was probably, the, you know, the 1% <laughs> that I saw. I thought it was, um, I, I, I could see how people would love it. And, you know. And I quite rate Diego Leone anyway. Yeah. Um, away from, away from casting and or character. Um, I, I quite rate him as, as an actor anyway. So I'm a little bit. Pink, and and the, know, pr- the prison very stuff. Very spectacles. I, I love the prison stuff as well. And the prison break element of it all. Um, I, I just thought like. We're seeing things, and Obi Wan Kenobi was a bit like this. I, I'm, I, they retooled the scripts at least once, but they also retooled the format. It was going to be a film, and I think it would have been a pretty good two-hour film, if I'm honest. But it wasn't. It was six episodes. Or yeah, they chopped it up into a series. And there was a lot of filler in it, and um, 
it had a lot of this out of the mouth of babes bollocks as well like little Leia was the wisest person in it um, which seems to be a bit of a strange Hollywood trend at the moment but the, 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 the leading man's normally a fucking buffoon um, <laughs> yeah, but, it's, the, it's a bit of a well-worn trope, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, but, I still need to see the Kenobi series, actually. So. But on, on back on Marvel, just briefly, um, I don't want to be too hard on the Black Panther sequel, just because of everything they went through and what they effectively do did was try and take the the plot and say, well, how would they all be reacting if T'Challa wasn't here? Um. So and it was clearly hard for them filming the scenes at the start where he dies. He dies early in the film. That's not really a spoiler. The character's killed off as well as the actor uh, having passed away. And where they have to announce he's died. Well, if the actor hadn't died and had been written out, that would have looked clunky. This strange off-screen sequence they've got to do to get rid of him. But under the circumstances, you you could see it written all over their faces. And they did their absolute best with it. And they did create um, in, it's not called this, but their version of Atlantis that was well created. So Ryan Coogler still still maintains all of his talent. But Letitia Wright was never meant to lead the film. And it's kind of a qualified success for me. Yeah, just kind of like under the circumstances. Like fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but it still was. It, you know, I, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I, I can't comment. But the, that the running time was like. <sighs> I mean, I'm 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 going to see Avatar um, at some point, and and I'm looking at the running time, going like. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's I mean, going to be a comedian I, I, side I, I'm, time, I'm, isn't it? I'm looking forward to it just purely for the spectacle. But again, it's like I, I know I'm going. I know I'm going in not not good expecting Lawrence of Arabia. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, like I, I literally am going for right. I'm going for literally the visual spectacle and, and nothing else because I'm not expecting anything else to be that decent or that worthy of my time. Um, no, and, and it's, it's just like, and it's like over three. I was like, come on. And it's a strangely on. small. I, I was reasonably positive about it, so I'll stand by everything I said in our Christmas commentary where I talked about it for about ten minutes. I'll stand by all of that. But I, I started sort of saying, well, let's see how it settles, because I've just been wowed by a spectacle. Uh, it is quite a small film, strangely. I mean, you think in the first film, they're at a full-on war with the whole human contingent there. And in this one, they're fighting one gunboat. You, you know, it's it, it's it's strangely small, but it is worth seeing. I mean, in terms of... Um, in terms of sort of big, big box office, big sort of tentpole releases this year... We're thin outside of that. I mean, you, you're really looking at some sort of smaller, quirkier releases that found an audience like, well, the Nicolas Cage film, also uh, The Northman, which we yeah. can talk about. Top Gun Maverick is the obvious one. Um, Elvis and probably The Batman. They, they're the sort of biggest films outside of the main tentpoles this year. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, speaking of Lawrence of Arabia, didn't that receive a big um, 4K restoration this year with its... 60th anniversary. I don't know if it was restored this year. I bought a 4K version of it last year. So whether it was res- restored since, because that does happen. You buy the 4K version and then they then they then they say remastered and you're like. And they say we're going to remaster it. I've yeah. Just bumble, bumble, bumble. So yeah, I've no, got a I remember version. going to see it during the restoration. I think back in. Um, mm. I want to say maybe it was during the London Film Festival 2012. So a long time ago. That was um, that was the year I watched TV. it. Yeah, I watched it on yeah, the big screen it was that year. Literally in its entirety. Mm. you know all intact 
about ten hours it was. It was amazing. Um, yeah, it's no, it's about the same length as Gone with the Wind. It's about the yeah, same. Yeah, it's about three. Three forty-five, something like that. Yeah, it's been a bit. It, it was epic, um, oh. but it was it was beautiful, beautiful mm. to see. Never seen a better looking film. Um, yeah, the, the, I guess the the one attempt to sort of launch a franchise this year was Uncharted. <laughs> Did you, you think that would become a that become a thing? It's one of those things like video game movies. <laughs> it's, it's difficult. Sometimes they pick up. Obviously, we've had Sonic, Sonic Two. We've got Mario coming out next year. Um, video game movies rarely do do well from small screen to to big screen. Um, do you think Uncharted will become a thing? Do you think it'll become it'll launch a series? Uh, I need to look at his box office. I'll tell you what, I'll do that now. I'm gonna look. I'll give you some opinion on the film in a minute. Uh, did yeah. you see it, Chris? Uh, yeah, I saw it. Um, nah, do you want to nah, do you want to talk about it a bit while no, I look up his box office? Have you played it as well? Have you played the it's, series? It's quite amazing how like you take uh, a video game that is very heavily influenced on like on a movie aesthetic, you know, and you completely just balls it up, like you know. It, it, an Uncharted movie should be one of the most easiest things to fucking do. You know, whether whether the movie's actually that good or innovative or it will always whatever. feel derivative because Assassin's Creed as well that had like huge cinematic aesthetic as well, and we all know how that turned out. Well, it, it, but but what you really cool. want is like you know a, like a modern studio like Indiana Jones. Which Basically. will always be that will always be do, wasn't it, that will always be its critical fall down because Uncharted is the video game version of Indiana Jones. Yeah. So if you put it on film, the reviews will be well, we've already got one of these. Yeah, and then that's and that and, and that that's the bind you're in. But I think you have to just embrace that for what it is and just go like, yeah, well, you know, like what, where, where's, <laughs> where, where's your new indie anyway? You know, and and well, yes, we have Indiana Jones five, but he's an eighty year old man who's probably going to get killed off in the next one um so you know this could be a way of like you know of like of of, of uh scratching that itch for for people who like that those those kind of movies because like what else is there to offer yeah i mean in, in broad terms for anyone who's played video games and not seen the films i've only played two of them i'm i kind of stalled on the third one but i played the first two and Sully being significantly older than Nathan Drake matters and him having met him at about 15 which is covered really in the third game in detail matters because he's kind of a bloodshot father figure in that he's he's not necessarily the best interest not necessarily for the best there for the best reasons but there's a generational gap between mm. them and their backgrounds and everything else well, although Tom Holland is probably only half the age of Mark Wahlberg, they meet in this film, so he's already a fully formed adult, and the differences between the characters are too small. So you've got Mark Wahlberg and junior Mark Wahlberg in the film, and not in the way they're playing the roles, but in their basic character beats. And there's a point in the film where Antonio Banderas is saying something all sort of evil, and I was thinking of like Robert De Niro in the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle because I was thinking like you used to do half decent stuff sometimes very commercial stuff but you did half decent stuff and this is beneath you even at this stage of your career it was watchable yeah you, you've got he's got way too much charisma to like to have like a, a nothing a role and it really. is a nothing role he's not developed very well as at all 
they did what what they were able to do because Tom Holland is somewhat gymnastic in his background. They were able to add that to the existing Nathan Drake template and produce mm. set pieces that were somewhat uncharted. But some of them were basic copies. I mean, there's a bit, I think it's Uncharted 2, where you climb up the outside of it. I can't remember if it's a bus or a train carriage. Well, that's pretty much in the film. Um, there's a, I'm sure, I'm sure it is anyway. I might have misremembered that. There's also a sequence, and I can't remember if it's game three, but then that would be later in the game than I've played, surely, unless I'm just aware of it. Like a set piece on a plane. And it, it yeah. it's a bit like the 2018 Tomb Raider film in that they just took that rebooted video game, took set pieces from it, slightly changed the backstory, and voila. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It did 400 million. So that may, that's that's on the cusp for me. That That's a possible. But, I mean, they brought in Ramin Djawadi to do the music, and he threw away most of the music, which is quite un- uh, iconic for game fans. So yeah, I was they, quite surprised at that, actually. I was expecting to hear... Mm majority of classic themes and I was like oh I mean the music was still good um, but I was just like what <laughs> okay but no he still did a good job though but yeah I was a bit shocked by that I mean the, the main thing out of it and well, I mean I'm struggling to remember much of it now um, but a lot of it a lot of the film was like uh, everyone like backstabbing each other you don't know who's, who's who to trust who's size on and that kind of stuff gets played out way too much in this film it just kind of, yeah. You know, it it just kind of got tired, and you kind of like by by halfway through, you're not kind of liking anyone because it's like, well, you you just you just sort of you know cheating on everyone, really, aren't you? So what? Why, why should I care? And you you've got to care about the characters to do that. Yeah. Idiots double crossing each other left, right, and centre becomes a bit meaningless very quickly. Oh, there was like the one of the thing that did strike me is. And this is from like a pure storytelling story level. Like the the main villain, which is like the 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 not Antonio Banderas, but the 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 henchwoman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who who, t- who later turns out to be like the villain. Yeah. Because she, spoiler, she backs that she backstabs him and and then somehow has control over all his group and everything. Uh, for reasons not she, she at no point in the film has the upper hand on any of the, any of the the heroes. No, she, no she's she's defeated every single time and it's like well where's your um well you, you, you know you're not a threat then are you at that point you are are you a threat yeah if if basically goldfinger had been him losing that game of cards for two hours and then at the end having his plot his plot which we've not heard anything about foiled that would be about the same yeah <laughs> yeah um so it was it was watchable. I mean, I didn't feel cheated. I think I went in and watched it before like a football match or something. It was all right because I saw, um, I saw that one day. The previous day I saw because I saw two Kenneth Branagh films in about two weeks. I saw Belfast, which is basically him as a child because he st- he was in Northern Ireland till he was uh, about nine years old, on the exact timeline of this film, and that was really good. But then he then he did like Death on the Nile. He'd done murder on the Orient Express, but everything just felt so lazy this week, this year. All the, all the Marvel stuff was coming out and feeling a bit, a strange mixture of boilerplate and experimental, which was odd. And then you had like, uh, Death on the Nile, which seemed to cut out a load of plot and a load of characters, and just went, yeah, this is what happened. And it was just like, can you not be bothered? Were you just contractually obliged to do this? 
Well, because it didn't, because it, it, it changed, like, the, the plot of the I don't remember, film. I don't, see, this is months ago now, and I've seen it once. It had a good cast again. Um, French and Saunders in it, strangely. Um, Gal Gadot. Um, yeah, the cast is really good. I can't remember. There was a few others in it, but anyway. Oh, uh, what, what's his name? Um, the guy who's not casting as anything now. Um, uh, um, Man from Uncle. Who? Man from Uncle. The, the, the other man from man, man from Uncle. Oh, you mean um, you mean not uh, Henry Cavill? Yes, uh, he was a, that he, guy. He was in. Um, I'm looking the up social, the, cast the social network. This tells you a lot, doesn't it? I'm looking up everybody. Annette Benning, Kenneth Branagh, Russell Brand was in it and completely wasted. Army Hammer, that was yeah, it. Yeah, that's the one. And they were in about all the shit had come out about him before the film was released. Yeah. Uh, Letitia Wright was in it. And it had good bits, but I, I remember watching the original right after, and I was thinking, well, they've cut that whole bit. Yeah, they chopped this out, chopped that out. But, I mean, the, the cast were amazing. They were all on top form, but it was a little bit like, nah, really? Yeah. But uh, Belfast was worth a watch. But then, then I'm looking through a load of things I've almost forgotten. Like, I definitely saw Cruella. Don't remember anything about it except the visuals. I saw Being the Ricardos, which was about um, Lucy you know Desi Arnaz and Lucy yeah I really wanted to see that I think that was that was Prime wasn't it I think don't remember a thing about it it was on Prime oh no and then I went to say Cyrano which was not even not even it had silver from Skyfall in it don't don't really remember it at all then I went to see Cyrano which was pretty good that was um, Peter Dinklage Cyrano de Bergerac Um, but it's all like oh yeah that weren't very good and oh yeah I remember that West Side Story I didn't really like um, oh, I loved that. See, I thought that was fabulous. I mean, it was, obviously the original was a classic, but I think that was a that was a very good, very good adaptation. Obviously, that some of the songs were in the wrong place, and once again, there are a few minor changes, but otherwise, I've enraptured throughout. <laughs> More on abject laziness later. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, then we saw the Batman, um, which we did review separately, and that was like a I drink. Think we of, liked that, didn't we? That, that was a drink of water after a fucking drought. That really was. <laughs> Because even Don't Look Up was nothing like Adam McKay's other sort of satirical works. It was quite lazy, although I enjoyed it. Like, Red Notice was a really piss-poor action film. And it was just like everything... I think I saw that in the end. Well, Red Notice is so Netflix, though, that's the thing. It is. It's just like Extraction or something. It's written by algorithm. But then I would say the same about The Grey Man. I mean, that was... I mean, you know, solid action film. A bit like Mission Impossible, where... The stunts were clearly taken from... Well, they weren't clearly taken, that's a bit harsh. Um, were highly influenced by other films. I saw that and remembered nothing the, about it. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's it, the it thing. It was a solid action thriller, good, like, you know, good cast, good performances, but, but yeah, it's kind of almost actually that's, that's the thing, Becca, like, The Grey Man, that is a film that, like, if anything, should be like, oh, this, this is going to be fun. You know, it, 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 might, it might be a bit... Not might be a bit silly or whatnot, but you know, at least it, it'll be have like a really good fun energy about it. And like, and on paper, you know, he's got a great cast. The, um, yeah, you know, it's got a quirky humor. He's got like a huge amount of set like action set pieces. Um, and you think, yeah, I could really get behind this. But when you watch it, you just it's just kind of a, yeah. <laughs> and, and and I don't know what it is. I, you know, it's, I think it's something about like just. Like Netflix, I mean, like we've just spent the past, you know, half an hour trying to remember stuff about films we've seen this year, and it just seems to me like um, 
the, the, like the quality, I think a large part of the quality is just how how overwhelming Diluted. and how. Yeah. But it's, but it's not only that; it's because it's like comes out on Netflix. It's all very much like, all right, watch that next. All right, watch that next. It's not a lot of thought going. No one really sort of. It's just. Well, I think I've said this previously. It's just all just content. It's just like you know, had we seen the Grey Man in the cinemas, would that have played differently? I don't know. Um, had it been made for cinema, would it? it it might, it might have played. You might have come out with a completely better film. Who knows? But I, it's, I don't remember it honestly. Yeah, I know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, like, look, look at it now. I'm thinking, should I give that enough watch? I mean, because it kind of looks like it should be right on my street. But I remember back in the early '90s when uh, Smith and Jones, the comedians, had their sketch show, and and they appeared in a sketch on an episode of Did You See, which was like a TV yeah. review show. And they were asked about all these shows, and it turned out they hadn't seen any of them. And, and they'd like, they had excuses like, oh, I forgot to set the video and things like that, right? And I feel like that our review is a version of that. It's like, well, I saw it, but <laughs> can't tell you that for the past. <laughs> I did see a couple of gems uh, in, the, in the sort of early part of the year. I'll sort of name four of them, and we'll see if you've seen any of them. I saw. Morbius. Eh? Morbius. Oh, fuck. What's that this year? <laughs> yeah. When was that? Let me have a look. Morbius. Yes, I did. No, that's just oh, outside. That's just that that's just outside the first quarter of the year. Sorry, that's right down below what I was going to mention. I saw two very similar quirky British films about like um, quite eccentric characters. I saw The Duke with Jim Broadbent. And it that was, was a brilliant film. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was lovely, especially as you need to watch Doctor No towards the end. Yeah, because basically it's the painting in Doctor No that that's been stolen by Doctor No that Sean Connery has a quick look <laughs> it's at. A theory. That's it's a theory it's the story that. of the bloke who stole it, and he's just this ordinary sort of. Um, it's based on a, a true story as yeah, well. Yeah, he's a, nor- a guy from the northeast of England who basically spends his life arguing he doesn't have to pay his TV license. <laughs> And I think his wife it's is typical Helen British Mill. underdog type it's film. It's fantastic. But talking of British underdog stories, literally two days after that, I saw The Phantom of the Open. Oh, yeah, now that is an underdog story. That's also Mark... based on a true story. Now, on set the tape, it wasn't a particularly fertile year to write about films, but we write these short little bits on our films of the year, and I did. I wanted The Batman, but somebody had already taken that. But I took two, and one of them was The Phantom of the Open. And again, it's a true story. About 1976, this guy, good family man, nice bloke. The film doesn't paint him as thick, but he's painfully naive. Like, he watches golf on the telly, and he's like, I could do that. <laughs> it doesn't it, even it, occur. It strikes me as a sort of like Eddie the Eagle type of it's, it's that kind of narrative. It's probably wildly different. I wasn't there at the time, but it's that kind of narrative. Yeah, no idea that like golf is an insanely technical sport, even to sort of co- construct your swing. And he just he enters like um, qualifying for the British the the Open Golf Championship that year. And they sort of, but it's made a bit like the Eddie the Eagle film. They they kind of overreg the the villains of the establishment trying to stop him, and so he's going into like tournaments elsewhere with like French versions of his name and like fake moustaches <laughs> on, and it's fantastic. <coughs> it's really really good fun. And, and at the end, he's just like, I had to go. It was fun, and my kids like learned something about. You know, it's fine to like dream about these things. Yeah, so it's got a good message to it, hasn't it? It's got these films. It's got real heart, good message. But it's not a message film at the same time. No, no, it's not run down your throat. No, definitely yeah. not. 
Uh, and then we got another few streaming ones that were either crap I don't remember, like Turning Red, which was okay, The Adam Project, which was okay. Again, I seem to think Turning Red, that kind of spent a little short time in cinema and then obviously being a Disney film. It did. Or it appeared on Disney Plus first and then yeah. went to cinemas very um, briefly. And then I saw things I remember. Deep Water, I think that might have been the erotic thriller with Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. And they're both absolute twats, so you don't want either of them to achieve anything. Oh no, not even I did it It's maybe playing up on like a, a like a modern version of the like a. It's meant to be fatal, body heat. Fate, yeah. yeah, like a fatal instinct, that kind of thing, like yeah. or fate, the fatal attraction. Yeah, fate, wasn't yeah, fatal instinct the spook? Sort of <laughs> yeah. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah. It doesn't really work. I'd, I'd much rather watch that to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> But then, in about, yeah, the but then in about a three or four week period, let, let's take him a couple at a time. So the last two decent ones in this period before we go into another period, if you like. Maybe next As, year we should do it like month by month or quarter by quarter. I saw a stream of Boiling Point, the Stephen Graham film. Oh. And this is a single take kitchen film where the head chef is just slowly fucking losing it. And he's got There's like going to be a spin-off problem. series, isn't there, I think? It's absolutely terrific. It's, only, it's very short. And yes, I know I knocked it in things like Birdman. A lot of the appeal is, look, it's all one take. But it is essentially no trickery, and it's done really, really well. Um, but I also saw, uh, around that time, a month or two late, uh, King of the Slappers, uh, <laughs> boy, uh, King Richard, the um, Will Smith film about the Serena, Serena and Venus's dad. Did I didn't you? see that, but it looked interesting. It's so... He's supposed to. I'm sure he was involved. Did it make you want to go and slap Chris Rock? That was. It made me want to slap. <laughs> it made me wanted to slap Richard Williams. Uh, it was just really? like well, it it, 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 it showed to me. Notoriously quite tough, and obviously that's why Serena Venus is such champions. Will Smith's brilliant in it, right? Both the girls playing the daughters are both brilliant in it, and and they're at different ages, so all the actresses that play them very good. Mm-hmm. But. It, it's when you see, I'm sure he was involved in the film. I, I might have misremembered this. I'll look it up. But I have a feeling he was like involved in the production of it, in that like it's his story. And I'm thinking like... No, it did not be like a producer or a technical advisor. How can you come off such a fucking wanker in a film you no. had control over? Oh, no. E- uh... Ego, maybe. No, I'm maybe. not sure he is now. Unless, unless it's based on his book. It could be that. But it's based on his own work, his own He didn't thoughts. come out of it very well. Yeah, he's a twat. They get these girls like top trainers and he's fucking micromanaging and arguing with them. And I know better. And then he, they get to the Boletieri school or whatever it is. Nick Boletieri died this year, actually. He, he, he um, effectively created the careers of Andre Agassi, Monica Selig and others. But they're the two I can remember. And, and, like, he's involved on their schedule and, and, like, forcing them not to play and stuff like that in certain tournaments. It's just, like, he's an absolute dick in it. And, like, if that's based on his work, this man has an epic lack of fucking self-awareness. And I suppose the proof is they were successful, but, Jesus, what a dick. But, uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, and then right after that, let's do let's deal with opposite ends of the quality schedule. Morbius and the Northman. I saw them within a couple of weeks of each other. <laughs> Which one do you want to start with, folks? Because I'm sure you've oh, seen. Well, it. Well, 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 let's go with Morbius. Go on, yeah. in, Chris. What did you make of Morbius? Oh, um, fuck me. Um, My review is not even Matt Smith can save it. Like, <laughs> I think 
it is quite pedestrian, which is fine. <laughs> but then, like, all of a sudden, Michael Keaton shows up, like, in a cut scene. Yeah. In, like, the, in the end credit scene, we, or, you know, where, where it kind of, like, it just drop, drops the... It's like, hang on, what, what? What? It's, I'm putting an evil team together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and like, okay, but where, where's this go? So, like, so Spider-Man isn't in this universe, is he? No, I, because they they flip to another alternate universe, haven't they? So yeah, so yeah, so but but I'm I'm confused. So this film probably was, I'm assuming, was cut to shit. Yeah. Because I think I think like you know Michael Keaton was probably in this a lot more than yeah, um, pre like previously. Yeah. Um, a lot of the characters just are like kind of pointless. Like the um, uh, what's his name, Fast and Furious, as a detective. Yeah, they put. Um, yeah, we know what you mean. The comic relief, the black guy from the yeah. Fast and Furious films, the comic relief. Yeah. Uh, uh, the last person you would cast as a sober detective, and he is. <laughs> There's no ticks of him at all. Yeah, he's he's straight, sort of like. He, yeah, he, he's completely straight. There's no like um, quirkiness. No. There's no wisecracks. He's very much like deadpan. He's like you know the, the straight man, and yeah, that's that's a very odd thing. But then. They, they give him nothing to do. There's no real character arc. He, he, he just turns up, uh, acts as like sort of is correctly suspicious, and that's it. And that's about it. Um, Tyrese Gibson, we're on about. Yes, yes, yeah. that's it. Um, and and it's the most predictable thing in the world because like Jared Harris might as well have a fucking like a bullseye sign on his neck all the way through. <laughs> oh, he's he's a fantastic actor. Yes, he but he, he's going to die. He's clearly going to die. Yeah, and you know who he's going to be killed by as well. For death. And, and Jared Leto's got Jared Leto in his like um in his sterile, uh, highly scientific lab has a load of bats. <laughs> so scientific, it's complete with small flasks and bunts of burners. It's a mess. And highly the, scientific. The thing is, it becomes, we know how method Jared Leto is. Now, whether that's coming across on screen or I just know it, like sending cast members use condoms when you're playing the Joker and stuff, <laughs> whether I just know it as backstory or it is coming through in the performance, I don't know. But there's something hilarious about someone trying this hard. Like, he was wheeled around in a wheelchair on set. He refused to walk because his character can't properly. And he's doing it in service. I'm sorry, he's able to like leap buildings. Yeah, and... he's doing it in service of third-rate shit. Watchable third-rate shit, but third-rate shit. Yeah. Uh, and Matt Smith is never anything other than evil. It, it's a bit like uh, what's he called him? Die another day. The bad guy in that. Like from the moment you meet him, you go, oh, sneering. He's evil. Yeah. Um, it's really really bad and it does feel cut to shit it feels short and at the end of the film they're trying to expand their universe by putting an evil team together when there'll be only two people in this reality like who are they going to fight that, then that, that we're aware of yeah Yeah, that we're aware of at like, the moment it's, it's, yeah it's like Andrew Garfield in this one <laughs> yeah but he wouldn't right. know he's only just bleeped over to it yes from his prison or whatever so it's 104 minutes. It needed to be 134 minutes, but it needed to be higher quality in either case. Um, it's directed. It's by... like, oh, right, we've got um, we've got Michael Keaton. Let's do something with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's just a real. It's just a shame, and it's it's sign as well that Into the Spider Verse, which was a uh, the animation division of Sony anyway, so almost certainly different execs. Um, 
that aside, this the Spider-Man property is not safe in their hands. They don't really know what they're doing, and they're desperate for like franchises. It's as simple as that. So they've tried to force this, and and it, there is nothing special about it at all. And some of it is like laughable. Yeah. But a couple of weeks later, I saw the Northman, which was possibly my pleasant surprise of the year because I expected nothing from it I think again I was probably in the city for something else and went to see this first and loved every minute of it it just felt so I don't know whether it is because I haven't done the history of this era but it felt so authentic it it kind of thought it was kind of that odd balance of like of a huge like epic gladiator but also like a lot smaller kind of indie art house movie yeah. It kind of like drifted along that that line there, where you, where it kind of like, yes, it's probably at its heart like this, this small house indie movie, but it 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 has enough in it to make it appeal to wider audiences, because it it's got the basic like revenge aesthetic, like yeah. you know, and it's like, fo- it's know. focus feature. It is an indie film effectively, or yeah. or a mini major if you like, a bit like Mirror yeah. Max used to be before they what happened with them. Um, they've got some sort of old languages in it properly. It's a very grimy film. It's a very violent film, but it ju- it just feels very very authentic. We we don't have a lead man who's entirely sort of sanitized for us as an audience. Mm. And Alexander Skarsgård, I mean, he's always been in good shape. I saw him in like True Blood and stuff, but the shape he's in for this is phenomenal. And uh, another film with Anya Taylor Joy in, who's just in everything. Yeah. Um, and Finchie's in it. Ralph Innocent's <laughs> got a role. Yeah. yeah, well, he was in The Witch as well, which was. Um, yeah. Is it uh, Eggers? Uh, what's his first Yeah, name? yeah, yeah, Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers. Yeah, yeah he was in. He, that was his first film. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And the next couple of things I saw was. I did see the Nick Cage film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, yeah. I enjoyed that more than I thought. Was. I thought it, this could be potential swap. I, I, I watched it to see if Nick Cage is in on the joke. That's literally, I had one yeah. agenda going to see that. Does Nick Cage know how ridiculous he is now? And he really does. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. It was great fun. Because, yeah, cause I think you know it when, when he's able to sort of like, what, what's Paddington 2? What's <laughs> Greatest and then, film and ever made. And like, blobbing his eyes out to it. Oh, yeah, that's so fantastic with his daughter in that, obviously. Mm. Uh, and then I watched a little film about... Did you ever? Did either of you see it? It was a little film, and I can't remember if I reviewed it or not. It was a Colin Firth film called Operation Mincemeat. I've I I thought Becca might have seen it just because the character of Ian Fleming is in it. Yes, he appears for all of two minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, I, I thought it was really good. It's one of those. I saw somebody on. I can't remember who it was, so I'm just going to pinch your words. Somebody described it on social media as kind of like the film that you'd see, maybe like Channel 4 or ITV, Sunday afternoon, on a bank holiday, like with, with your dad or something like that, or with your granddad. Um, not to kind of tar everybody with the same brush, but, you know, like my, like, my granddad definitely, certainly um, loved his like war films, loved westerns, that kind of stuff, that kind of genre. Um, it's that kind of film. But yeah, no, it was, it was really good actually. Um, it's a it's a very high stakes World War Two case. It's a film. very high stakes. Uh, my only criticism would be, but yeah, it's a very high stakes World War Two about sort of code breaking, 
Um, and again, based on a true story, um, larger true story. Really fascinating. Um, recommend reading the book of the same name by Ben McIntyre, who's also written a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of other um, behind the scenes books about various World War II um, SOE, for example, operations as well. Um, and also the film The Man Who Never Was, I believe it might be 50s, 60s. Um, it, it tells the same story based, you know, based on the same story. Um, but sort of it's the remake of, as it were, um, Operation Mince Meat is a remake of this film. Um, yeah, my only criticism would be there's kind of like a, a love triangle or sort of a love story almost um, between Colin Firth's character. Um, and it's, it doesn't really need to be there, I think, as it were. It's a bit over-egged a little bit, to use your phrase, Dave. It's to, gi- it's um, to give Kelly MacDonald something to do. Kelly MacDonald, that was it. Yeah, she's fabulous. I I do, I do quite rate her, and I watch whatever she's in. Um, I could sort of listen. I love her accent. I could listen to her read the phone book. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like the the love interest between those two are perhaps a little bit forced. Um, but Colin, endlessly watchable, always fantastic, whatever reason. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a really solid World War Two thriller, definitely. Um, really great cast. And um, hello to Jason Isaacs. And yes, hello to Jason Isaacs. It literally took the words right out of my mouth there. Hello to Jason Isaacs for sure. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it as well. I think it was on, I think it came on streaming in America before it did over here. Um, but it's, it's, it's now widely available on, on home release. Um, maybe streaming on various platforms, I don't know, I haven't checked. Um, it's really well good. worth a watch. If, yeah, if you can catch it, definitely. Um, um, disappointment of the year after that was Nightmare Alley. That's Guillermo del Toro, isn't it? We're going to come oh, back. I didn't see that. We're going to come back I've... to it. I was so bored during the whole fucking thing. That was a remake as well, wasn't it, yeah, I think? It was, and it feels like one. It feels like a filmmaking from a different era. But we'll come back to Guillermo del Toro in, in our lazy, yeah, not lazy chat later. Um, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably, well, probably the, the, the best blockbuster of the year, for sure. Was the highest grossing film of the year so far? So until far. Avatar takes over. Avatar will do it, but yeah, it's, it's Maverick at the moment. Yeah. Um, but probably the the best crowd pleaser definitely, I would say. I couldn't believe what they did with it. I mean, it was was it Kaczynski? Crazy, was it Kaczynski who directed it? Lot yeah. of camera effects and very little CGI and Tom Cruise generally being Tom Cruise and you know wanting to go for the authentic experience. What I liked about it, and we'll cover Top Gun one day probably. Certainly, if they ever do like fast <laughs> stream a third, which is possible, then suddenly it's a trilogy and we'll do it. But it's still Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, and you're not sure. Joseph Kaczynski, um, no, he did Tron Legacy? Yeah. And he did Oblivion, Oblivion. am I right? Yeah. Oblivion I really like, and Tron Legacy's far better than the first Tron. So. Agreed. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the screenplay was... I think about the only ones, Dave, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the screenplay mixed, mixed because Aaron Kruger's on it, load of Transformers stuff and the American versions of the Ringu films but Christopher McQuarrie's on there and we know there is no better well there's no better script doctor there is I know he's best known as a script writer but we know from the Mission Impossible films if something's fucked up he'll fix it he'll fix it as he goes and what I found incredible about it was um, I hated Maverick in the first film I thought he was an arsehole I thought the story was incredibly... He's meant to be an arsehole, I think, but like you're supposed to still root for him, and I, I didn't like it. It was typical flashy Tony Scott. And they have this mission at the end that's meaningless until about five minutes before it happens, and then suddenly it's rah, 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 America, yeah, right? This film is all built around a mission, 
and they've updated Tom Cruise that he is a respected, seasoned, intelligent man, but he hasn't quite lost that two fingers up to authority that means his career hasn't developed as it should, but they haven't essayed that as a 50-something man who's just deeply irresponsible. He has irresponsibility about him more than more than that, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't gel with uh, the establishment of the air force. Yeah. Uh, but it's also part of him like I still want to be in the cockpit. Yeah. So I don't I, I, you know I don't want to go any further because it means I won't be doing what I want to do. You know what I mean? The only thing that was strange about it is they got Harold. I don't know if they got Harold Faltermeyer back to do the score or whether they just credited him for repurposing i know when kevin smith did his cop-out film and he wanted it to feel very 80s he got him to do a new score so i'm not sure but the strange thing about it is tom cruise is no idiot and he knows that by and large the 70s critically was a stronger decade than the 80s so the soundtrack is this weird uneven mix of 80s callbacks and tons of 70s music which is not when the original film was released Mm. So it's like Tom Cruise wishes Top Gun was a 70s film, I think. Um, I've not been drawn back to it, but I thought it was exceptionally well made. The mission drew you in. The mission is just about hard enough that it's possible he wouldn't do it. Mm. Uh, The only obvious plot, it's not even a plot hole, it's a plot contrivance. Maverick, I don't think this is any great spoiler. Maverick ends up flying the final mission. And for a vast amount of the film, he's not going to be. He's supposed to be training these kids. Well, if he's the greatest pilot of all time, with the exception of possible exception of Iceman, who is sick in this film, the first question would be, why aren't you flying it? Why does that take three quarters of the film to come up? Yeah. But it is better than the first by a long way and better than anything you would expect from a Top Gun sequel and proof sorry Joseph Kaczynski is a better director than Tony Scott and um, I'm just I'm just like the just how how much a revolt Tom Cruise is on like his like the, the momentum he's got on yeah. at the moment yeah and you know he's known for his stunts but you're like well it's not Mission Impossible so will it be as exciting and you're like yeah <laughs> yeah it's done really really well um, I think because it's all done with heart as well like yeah. it, 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 everything's just done really. Even like the, even like the bit with um, the Val Kilmer camera, which you think might be a bit cloying. Mm, this might not be work out. They, they find a way to actually make it really moving. To, to, yeah, moving, respectful. Yeah. And and it's testament to the film as a whole. It kind of, it kind of like assumes a lot um, from the from the last film. I just build from it. And it's not franchised filmmaking. Had they yeah. decided to make Top Gun 2 in 1989, well, obviously it wouldn't be the same film because Tom Cruise would have been in his 20s. But it wouldn't have been the same spirit of film. It would have been, let's try and do that again for extra money. Yeah. Uh, and Top Gun, yes, it's designed to make money. But like you say, it's done with heart. Tom Cruise clearly cares about doing something right with this property. Mm. So I was really impressed with it. Did you see it, Becca? Yes, I did catch it in the end, actually. What did you think? I was blown away, really, quite frankly. Um, I went home and then watched Top Gun afterwards. Yeah. Um, like I did it backwards. Um, no, I was just in... I think that Tom Cruise is really, really interesting. I think, yeah, some of the characters are a little bit... Um, and there's, for me, it was a bit of... Um, 
again kind of heavy like nostalgia again like for you know for, for the original film um and I, you know i kind of love some of the music as well but i think the technical aspect that's what kind of really intrigued me the most i think with tom cruise i, I find I, I struggle to describe because there are aspects to him which I think are a little bit strange, not, you know, not quite all there. Um, but also, I think he's really fascinating. Um, he's like sort of one of these last great movie star type people. Um, he really tries to push for obviously use you know, CGI and, and effects and that, you know, where he can. Um, but he, you know, he does all these crazy stunts himself. Um, he tries to kind of use you know a lot of it in, in camera effects and everything. He tries to aim for like realism, I suppose, as much as you can, um, or authenticity. Um, I, just, I just think it's incredible. Like all this sort of aerial acrobatics and everything. Obviously, he got you know to do them themselves and the uh, thousands of hours that he must have put in. You know, in, in terms of like flying planes and everything. I was just uh, literally the technical aspects are really kind of what blew me away. Um, but it's one of those films where you kind of you know, plot-wise, you sort of think, oh, you know, what about it too much? And because I kind of thought, um, I, I, you know, waited a little while before the, the hype went down. Um, I thought this is just going to be kind of, you know, a sort of big nostalgia fest. I was a little bit cynical, might be the wrong word. I'm not too sure. Um, but I sort of thought, oh, it's is is it going to be that good? You know, is it going to live up to all the hype? Um, is it just going to be sort of like a you know rehash of the original? Is it going to be kind of a lot of like 80s, you know, trying to reclaim that 80s machismo? There's a little bit of that, but um, it, uh, for me, I might have seen a different film to you guys. I don't know, um, but it wasn't kind of laid on all that thick. Um, but as I say it's currently, as a recording, as far as I can see, um, Avatar hasn't overtaken just yet. Um, but I can certainly see why it's at the moment the highest grossing film of the year, and certainly by the time Avatar's done, um, it'll be one of the highest grossing films of the year. I can certainly see why. Um, and maybe a good chunk of that is also Richard Walker seeing it, hundred and million thousand. I was going to say it was funded largely from Plymouth. Um, I think it was. Yeah, there's, there's a chap that we all, we all follow. He's a big movie fan, big you know, amazing photographer. Um, who yeah, really does kind of make use of, of the limitless, unlimited, whatever you think. And, and he's seen yeah, it but I say I don't know. I don't know how they he's, work he's out the budget. I don't know how they work out grosses when you've got an unlimited card. Yeah, I don't know quite how that works. He's, he's probably seen it 27 <laughs> times and like given the film 27p or something. I don't know. Uh, probably that's but, um, true. Or but, but most of the money maybe goes to yeah. um, uh, uh, tea and coffee on site sort of thing. Um, but no, he's, he's seen it many times. But no, I, I I really enjoyed it actually. And I was, as I say, it was just kind of for me. I was blown away kind of more the technical aspects of it um, and all the aerial acrobatic type shots. Um, amazing, definitely. One thing that Tom Cruise uh, films tend to have in common with what what is going to happen with Avatar is legs. They don't open massive and then they just have legs. Um, Top Gun. For just, days. Yeah, it, it opened fairly well and then just had insane legs on it. Um, I think, yeah, because one of the things I will say that um, that I've noticed about a movie in a long time is is just noticed that how the general excitement not 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 just on Ooh. You know, film Twitter or your know, like the you know the the yeah you know, the YouTube the various amount of YouTube videos praising it or whatnot. You know, it it's actually about like sort of people you find at work or you you know like people actually you're like talking about it, going like, oh, have you seen Top Gun? Oh my God, it's so you know you actually see people who you know or you know, or, or just in passing just seem generally excited by it. Uh, or just like kind of oh my god that's so good I'm I'm going again you know that kind of thing I haven't seen that in a while and, and Top Gun Maverick had that. Um, but what do you expect when Marvel put out four films a year? Yeah. And Star Wars is only on TV and 
the, the, the whole business and, and where cinema sits in our lives as film fans is just totally up in the air at the moment. Um, so, like I say, I was seeing a lot of smaller films, and the next film I saw would be of interest to Becca because it's a sizable role for Rory Kinnear. Did either of you see Men? I didn't. No, no I don't think it even came anywhere remotely near me. It's a really strange film. This woman who uh, she lives in London in a flat, and she's having an argument with her husband, and he goes up onto the roof and jumps off. He just kills himself, right? So, so she travels down to I can't remember if it's Somerset, Devon or Cornwall but down this way to like rent a cottage and like clear her mind and all the men in the village are played by Rory Kinnear and even if they're children look like Rory Kinnear mm. yeah I heard about that actually uh, and that's all I'm going to say the that film sounds is, a bit creepy it, it's creepy as fuck that. and the ending no, is no, batshit no, no, you know, no offence to Rory Kinnear but I'm mm. sure Whoa. the ending of it reminds me of the ending of um that film Under the Skin with um, oh bold yeah it's got a really weird ending to it but yeah, yeah check that one out and then we've got a load of streaming stuff the one other thing I'll mention that's topped so many lists this year but I didn't like it at all without thinking it was a bad film was everything everywhere all at once that was amazing oh my god I'm ready to hear someone tell me why it's amazing because I just <laughs> I just found it as a chuck I, everything I, at the it wall. Is, it is overwhelming. I it's will, one of those films where I'll, you need to break it up into small chunks, I think, or it might be an easy. Becca, watch tell me on. why it's great. Chris, tell me why you didn't. Oh no, think sorry. It was. You, after you, sir. Uh, <laughs> in, in whatever order. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Um, I think everything, everywhere, all at once is exactly that, and that's why I couldn't get on with it because it just threw everything at you. Like, hang on, what the fuck's going on? Why does it make sense? Isn't that just a bit... Oh, okay, that bit's a little bit too silly, you know, hot dog fingers. Come on now. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, if we're going to... like it's an alternate universe. And, yeah, but it's... But it, I know, but it's trying to make me feel, like, <laughs> you know, emotional. Yeah, and, that, and, bit, and, yeah. and then it has, like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis chewing on hot dog fingers. Yeah, she... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like... It was funny. I'm like, she I'm didn't even fun. get her tits out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a different thing. It, it, it's trying to make like a poignant sort of emotional beat. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, but there's Jamie Curtis with mustard over her face, chewing on hot dog. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no. It's obviously standing in for something else, you know. But it's just, you know, it's, she's one of the pre, you know, preeminent screen queens and she's playing totally against type, definitely, definitely. In sort of more a comedic role. And also, it's one of those excellent films where obviously it's directed by two guys. Um, but it's when, you know, when those few films, you know, it's got like a sort of agent mainly Asian cast, Asian lead. Yeah. And it's also, like, for the older women as well, obviously, Michelle Yeoh is... is she's in her 60s. She's got to be close to her 60s now, yeah. Yeah, and she's, you know, she's still got the moves. Still would. Um, still, still would, got the yeah. Moves. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis as well, I mean... I take some I take some, lube with me, but still I still would. <laughs> you can still kick ass, definitely. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it's so great. It is very overwhelming. I mean, I sh- anything like that, any kind of, like, sensory issues that I majorly struggle with... Um, I very nearly walked out at one point, but I thought, no, I'm going to... I paid 15 quid for this film. I'm going to go... 15 pound? No, it was, it was like, I think it's like 12, 13 and then somewhere like that. And then I had yeah. bought some popcorn to say. Um, but that was right. I've got to go see this film. And it was in... Where did I see it? Somewhere. It she paid 13 pounds, but on the plus side, she owns the UK domestic rights to the film. I did. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. Uh, and I think I, it, was, it was myself and like two other people, so it wasn't too busy. So I was quite happy that I mentioned my popcorn. I broke the code. Apologies didn't have my soft roll with nothing in it um but no i think it is a west end cinema and it is, they are expensive um don't do it all the time but it's a nice treat occasionally yeah. um 
but yeah, no, it's one of those films where it is. It, yeah, I come from the opposite end. I, I, I can kind of see what you mean, Chris, because it, it, that is what it is. Everything over all at once. It's very overwhelming. Um, especially it's it literally it's like um, oh my god, Scott Pilgrim. It's very much an assault on the senses. I don't like that film either. Sound yeah. everywhere. Um, if the film had been in 3D, that probably would have been a bit too much for me, for sure. This may be a um, feeling that disappears, but this is the first year, literally the first year of my life, where I've thought maybe I'm getting too old for it all, because <laughs> I've seen so. Well for this shit. <laughs> I, I, I'm starting to see the formula in Marvel, and I don't just mean they're formulaic. I mean what they're trying to tell us about the world sometimes, and I all these films that are hyped and I go and see them and I go, you're just trying too hard. You're trying too hard to be clever. And I'm thinking, am I just too old that I'm not concentrating anymore? Am I too old in another respect that I've just seen it all before? I don't think a film like Everything Everywhere All At Once is, is trying to be clever or such. It's just obviously it's one of those films that is quite, you do have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. I mean, it's, it's amazing for, for a whole number of factors that I mentioned above. Um, but because it, it does kind of deal with lots of different timelines and there are various different worlds where they all speak Spanish or where they have all got hot dog fingers and um, where they're all aliens from out of space or, you know, where they're all just rocks with googly eyes attached. Um, any number of, you know, infinite things. So you, you do have to kind of like maybe watch through a kaleidoscope. <laughs> you always like need to see these things a couple um, of I, times. I think it's, it's trying to be too clever and some scenes are just silly for the sake of it, like yeah. like the hot dog fingers. And it is ridiculously silly and... All three of us who went to see it did laugh out loud, and I'm sure it's provoked a similar reaction to, to other audiences. Um, I'm not sure if maybe that was a, maybe an intentional laughter, I don't know, but there are comedic scenes you know, dotted throughout the film. Um, and I really, I'm going to mispronounce his name, I do apologise. Um, Jonathan Kikron, obviously you known short round, uh, makes a miraculous return to the big screen. He's still got the moves and all, you know. Um, and... Yeah, so it's, I think it's, it celebrates a number of things. Celebrates obviously, the, and you got sort of the Asian sort of action, action movie heritage as well, um, which is celebrated by you know by its, its two amazing needs. Um, it's celebrating maybe like the older action star, the older women as well, who who still got the moves and perhaps play against type or play roles that you perhaps wouldn't expect them to to be in. But I don't, I don't think it is. It's not one of these. It, I wouldn't class it in the same respect as like a Marvel movie where it's it's trying to be clever or it knows what it's, it's trying to be too clever. Um, but you know, I just that, that's just my opinion, definitely. But then I, I do agree with Chris a little bit. It is quite overwhelming, and I think if I I haven't picked up on home release just yet, but if I, if I do, I don't know. I'll wait till it comes down a little bit. Um, it's one of those films where I would definitely break up into chunks and kind of watch in very small pieces, um, just because it is a bit overwhelming as such. Unless I see if, if for me it's one of the best of it's top films. Sorry to keep interrupting you. No, you interrupted um, you. Yes, it's, it's certainly um, in my top three of the year so far um i still haven't seen decision to leave yet but that might be my last film of the year so i suspect that may slide into the number one spot um i think yeah, the thing with, the year, with films i don't like unless they're flat out incompetent or i can see a ton of problems with them i normally owe them a rewatch, and this falls into that category i didn't jive with it i've seen it once um spinning on what else have i seen uh, I saw the George Michael doc that he was working on when he died, but I'm the oh, only. Oh, I didn't see that. Any good? Just super worth seeing, but I won't say oh. much more about that because it is just a doc and it's about an artist you either like or you don't. So hmm. it's one for them. I walked. Out, I walked out of a film this year. Right? Did you, Dave? Tell us all about and it. It won't be the film you expect me to walk out of. I'll tell you why in a minute. I walked out of Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Oh right? really? Yeah. The reason being. 
My wife likes Elvis Presley. I don't. I think I think he was fucking dreadful oh. personally. But there you go. And I don't think Did you say I'll see you outside. I don't think he's dated very well either as an act at all. And he never wrote a note of his own fucking music. So this idea is yes, I know he was influential, but as an act, nah, it, it doesn't hold up today. But I thought I'm happy to go and watch that because I'll just watch it as like historical document you know what i mean let's see about his life right <laughs> yeah problem is yeah none of it's true none of it's true but anyway none of it's, true. it's all a lie problem is i walked in and i'm sat there with a romanian no subtitles and she couldn't understand a fucking word he said right so elvis is so like talk- DVD, elvis then? is ta- elvis is talking to his dad and he's going well <laughs> and i did the worst thing possible i started mimicking it so she then had a fucking laughing fit, right? And we're getting funny looks. And then Oh no. And then, <laughs> Did you call the disruption? At, at one point, right, my wife I, I tuned out for a moment and then I came back to her, my wife was laughing. Uh, and what had happened was, I think I'd forgotten I was in a cinema. I farted, but I farted for about 15 seconds at, oh, at, at various pitches. Like, she said it started to die away, and then you gave it a bit more effort. And I thought, none of, nothing about this screening is working, so let's leave. <laughs> oh, no, did you get your money back? No, because what am I going to say? I'm leaving because I've just embarrassed myself with a loud fart. <laughs> I'm leaving, I just farted, um, sorry. No, but my, honestly, the, the, joking aside, I wasn't enjoying the film. I wasn't enjoying anything about it. It was Baz Luhrmann's Look at How Camp I Am All the Time. And it was, honestly, I'm British and I could barely understand a word he was saying. It was just ridiculous. It is like, it's it's the parody of Elvis Presley. He looks like him and certain moves, if you look at it quickly, it's like, shit, that's Elvis. No, it wasn't. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's what it is. I, think, I think you have to be a big fan. Because I know, I think, well, this is my... Obviously, my grandma's friend. I don't want to say any more than that. Um, big Elvis fan, massive Elvis fan. Been to Graceland countless times. Seen all his films. Got all the albums, all the rest of it. Um, ate it up, ate it up definitely. But I, I wonder if it's one of those things where, like, if you're a bit too close to it. I mean, same with like with Bond or anything like that, or anything that I, you know, I'm into. If it perhaps like a little bit too close to it, um, you, you know, you're always gonna have like a little bit of criticism for it, but. Yeah. I don't know if it's one of those films where like you, you might need subtitles just because. I think you need to be a fan. I just yeah. think I just think you, you watch it and you go, who cares? I mean, because I didn't I didn't know like I all I knew about it was obviously I knew like all his hits and his, his music and stuff like that. I know he I, died on the tour. I, I know he was yeah I, I know that fact about him um that he was in the army as well um but I didn't know like the relationship between him and Colonel Tom Parker. Oh and, and just quickly they try and play that as a lovely life love story. She was fucking fourteen when he met her. <laughs> dodgy fucker anyway Chris what does it yeah, remind you of it is, it is a bit dodge it kind of remind me of um, oh what's the name of that Queen film Bohemian uh, Rhapsody yes it kind of in, in the way that like, like broad it, brush it, strokes yeah broad brush kind of like a broad celebration mm. yeah but just glossed over like uh, oh, I want to go like, see that with a friend who's a massive like, Queen fan I, I, and he's I, like yeah I, a bit broad I'll give you I'll give you an example um, so it's like uh, I, I watched the movie and I, and I kind of like I really want to like sort of look into like how that um how that Elvis um sort of like comeback special came about and what yeah. it was actually like because watching it I was like there's no way it happened like that that's no. fucking ridiculous it's probably on YouTube or somewhere I imagine what taking him up to the Hollywood sign and yeah yeah no but fact that Colonel Tom <laughs> Parker says hello like there like, 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 like there like in, in, in the in the um 
in a recording studio, like sort of like right, where's the where's the Christmas special? <laughs> and, he, and you're like, oh, he's oh, oh, Elvis is about to do it. Oh, he's about to do it. It's gonna end, end on Christmas though. And he, and he just sort of completely blindsided him, like 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 that would happen. Like he like he like there's Colonel Tom Parker like bringing on these people, sort of like yeah, but this actually know, go down. Yeah, only to be embarrassed. Like they wouldn't notice like the the big non Christmas sets. You know, it's just it just wouldn't it just wouldn't work like that. No. I just, but um, yeah, yeah. I I kind of thought it was a bit a bit too long as well. I mean, but I, I oh, I, I made I, it through I, the comeback special, so I think I saw the majority of it. But yeah. Oh okay. But it was crap. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's always good to sort of compare these things as well. Because I mean, if you look at um, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, and then look at Fudge, like during the the um, Live Aid, the concert. Yeah. Um, and then look Nothing. at sort of footage. For that some of it is you know uncanny uncanny um and people can probably spot who were there in in real life can probably spot themselves in the you know in the fake audience um but so sometimes or, um well you can tell it? the difference between the two one has hiv in his blood and the other one fucking doesn't for another two years when is real, when they is really fake? really pissed around with the timeline on that film as well I mean, sure. he came out to his parents on the morning of live eight and said he is the love of my life so mm. like, yeah all right if um, you say so. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they do kind of play fast, play it fast and loose um, with the facts and everything like that. But I mean, there, there's sometimes where they get it absolutely spot on, but other times they get it massively wrong. But yeah, the main reason for leaving was what, what's he saying? My wife looking confused and then having a giggling fix. I'm taking the piss out of it. <laughs> but there you go. Um, that's probably always wants to maybe if it if it comes on streaming, stick the subs on. Yeah, watch it, it again. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll watch through it all because she likes his music anyway. But. Um, I, I fight like if you watch interviews with Elvis like on YouTube or whatever, I put the subtitle because he had a quite a strong accent, I think, and I, I struggle with that sort of thing anyway. Um, and he does kind of, I noticed like towards the end, like maybe sort of, he does kind of descend into like parodies of his own, and so I have to stick the subs on so I know what he's saying, and that sounds really I mean, did they cover the fact he used to shit himself on stage near the end? I mean, this guy. Like, not in YouTube around. videos that I've seen, yeah. but just uh, like interviews with him and stuff like that. Um. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he didn't strain his voice mid-interview. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, just quickly to refer to another film I saw that I've written a review of, so we won't talk about it here unless you've both seen it, which is unlikely, as a Mark Rylance film called The Outfit. No, I didn't. No. Play, he plays a tailor who's sort of under a bit of mob rule in Chicago in the 1950s I think it is no it's not guidance but I will try and check it out it's really good it's is really your review good. on set the tape yes it is I, I was very positive about it next film I, I saw the next two films uh, on my list in terms of what I saw one theatrical one on Disney Plus were both animated I went to see the DC League of Super Pets and Lightyear see, I, I missed that that film looked fantastic I love animation love dogs definitely animated dogs right in my street and I missed it okay well, I don't remember much about it now, which tells you everything. Oh. It, it was fine. <laughs> like, like majority of the movies came yeah. out this year. And, and, yeah, and, and Lightyear and Lightyear does not deserve to have Pixar's label on it. I need to check that out as well, because apparently there are quite a few Anderson references, especially like 5 xl 5 um, And so all of our little sort of Anderson sort of fan group, we were like, ooh, must can see this. It says at the start of the film, something like, in 1995, a film was released. Andy from Toy Story, I don't know if they give his full name or how they name him. Uh, That's his favourite film. This is that film, right? So you're supposed to see the film that made him a massive Buzz Lightyear fan. 
if he'd seen that film in 1995, his room would have been full of Star Wars stuff. <laughs> would, he, would he not have been too too young, perhaps? There's just nothing in the film. And he was like eight or something. He was quite he was young lad, wasn't he? Uh, he had to go on these long flights where he'd come back and lose four years at a time. So people are getting old and dying around him. That's the only kind of moving idea in the film. They've mm-hmm. taken everything about Buzz that's like unique and fun, and just smoothed it out into really generic space lead. Mm. It's. It, I'll, I'll probably still check it out though if any reported. It's any not a bad. It's not a bad film. It's just not a Pixar standard film. Uh, speaking of um, huge uh, budget movies that made like one billion, um, and and that are completely forgotten about, which I feel like everyone's completely forgotten about, Jurassic World, Dominion. Oh god, yeah, I did oh, god, see yeah. that. It's not on my list, and I don't know why that, it's not that, on my list. That made I've seen one billion. It. Oh no, it is on my list. It's further down because yeah, I watched dollars. it. I watched it on a rip later in the year, so I've got it when it was written. I totally forgot that came out. Um, when I was in Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. That came yep. out. I've never been a biggest fan of the property, but when Jurassic World came out, for all the criticism, very Force Awakens like criticism, that you kind of you just remake the first film here without a lot of the heart, and I, I bought into all of that as fair criticisms but I thought if you really want to like reach back and bring back a property this is about as well as you're going to do it so I thought Jurassic World was alright I thought the second one was one of the dumbest blockbusters I've ever seen in my life fucking auctioning dinosaurs oh, no. as weapons of war <laughs> and, and then sort of you how you operate this you, you, you get this like sort of this gun device which you like sort of like laser target uh, to, to press to kill you know yeah, it's crazy yeah. I, I, I wonder what else that, that exists that could do like that that she kills anything you point at yeah um yeah. Hmm. don't know hmm. <laughs> indeed hmm. so yeah I, I, to be honest, I think I know I think Jurassic Park is or the series is kind of on our list to do at some yeah point. absolutely maybe in the I, uh, I think that'd be quite interesting to do yeah um but yeah I mean obviously I'm Big fan of the original. It's one of my favourite films ever. It's, it's one of those. It's a Marmite movie, isn't it? And I think most people it, love it. It's that generation as well. Like yeah. over the nineties, it might have been one of the perhaps. I was the wrong early, age early when kind it of came cinema out. experiences yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, so I was quite interested in well, sort of. Well, were you, were you pleased with the turn of uh, of uh, of uh, a character? Please <laughs> be more specific. Well, they, well, they well it was, back, uh, it's Donson. It's not so we got dads in him. Isn't even the same guy. Um, <laughs> Apparently it is, yeah. Huh, I don't think it is. I don't. I can't. My memory must fail me. I I'm don't sure. remember. My no, it, no, it, no, it is. It is it's it probably, oh, it probably is the same character. Yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah, and I love the thing, fact man. you got Laura Dern going. God, I was, you know, I was so. Young. They people were going. God, their age gap was awful in the first film. I thought she's always looked about forty. <laughs> and they and, yeah. they get, and they make it. You know, they. I was going to say they um, they get together at the end. Um. And they're also wearing the same clothes that they wore 40 years ago. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it was a very sort of hackney plot, very a lot of plot, you know, contrivances. But it had promise. Um, lots of fan service, lots of syrupy fan service. I, 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 I thought it was okay. Some like, the effects are really good. Like the visuals, the dinos were amazing. But yeah, it was, it was, it was very fan servicey. It definitely. was really irritating. Like literally, yeah. like they, they they got like literally everyone together, and it was just like it was so self aware of itself yeah like, it's like, it was, it's very it, it, it was, it? It was almost like the characters almost could look themselves like, hey look at us we're all together yeah, yeah. it's the same clothes just like in scooby-doo 
yeah, so yeah. Like the screen um, sequel that came out was what, January for Bruce Willis time. You didn't have the force to kill anyone off. Yeah. As well. No. Yeah. You, not on top of that, you introduced like even more characters. Yeah. And you didn't kill anyone off. You you no, gave like you gave like uh new like new uh pathos to characters who you, you, you hardly ever know. You hardly get to know. Yeah. The yeah. You like think of what? How how does that happen? So there's no like emotional stakes at all. You kind of you, you've taken the concept of dinosaurs roam the earth now, like as a like as a concept, and you've just gone back to an isolated island. Yeah, but like, the whole you know, point of was, the end of the second film was you were setting out. Christ, they're loose now. How are we going to manage with this? Yeah, and then yeah, yeah that's what I mean. It, it completely, you, you just completely sort of sidetracked that into like, oh, we're back on like uh, on a singular island now. Right. You know, you have, you have you have one set piece which was kind of fun, with like uh, a, with a, a villain that pops up for ten minutes that seemed fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the, the the female. It's not, it's kind not of, even enough. It's just not even enough. Like that. So yeah, I, I I forget what kind of was, but she was kind of like a. I don't even remember the set piece, Chris. I'm just taking your word it, for it. I it, had it, fun at some it, point. It, it was the one where they took, chased around. Um, I don't know wherever it was. It was Italy or or wherever. It was somewhere in Europe. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and he had like sort of raptors like sort of you know, targeted them you know kind of, kind of thing. Um, right. So like but, no time to die with dinosaurs. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Right. Okay. Oh dear. Yeah. I, uh, it, it's not a good sign for a film when you have to have someone remind you of specific fun you had. Yeah, this film made one billion dollars. <laughs> remember the scene? This yeah. film made one billion worldwide. Great. Oh well. Will they make any more? I can't remember how it finished. Um, don't know. Or was it was yeah, it thumbs up, freeze frame, and that's it? I don't remember. <laughs> do, 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 do. <sighs> don't remember. I don't know. It was probably Jeff Goldblum saying something Jeff Goldblumly that wasn't like anything to do with the rest of the film. He just opened yeah. up his shirt and was like, "Hey, ladies." Um, <laughs> I think they, I think they sort of tried to wrap everything neatly in a nice little package. <coughs> well, the first thing they're going to have to do is all go <laughs> to a clothing <laughs> store and see that there's other clothes yeah, available. So there you go. Oh dear. Bullet train, yeah. folks. Um, yeah, I mean, <coughs> I kind of enjoyed this for what it was. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. Um, I loved it without thinking it was a great film. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. It was very, very much like Tarantino. Oh, definitely. Uh, Guy Ritchie kind of action film, yeah. which I was fine with. Yeah. It 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 did what it, <coughs> it wanted it to do. Um. Yes, it was probably overcontrived, but I don't think it took itself seriously enough to for you to really care about it. It was just like it just had a lot, you know, lots of characters, lots of like you know, uh, broad stroke performances, uh, very cartoony kind of uh, characters, and um, yeah, it was it was absolutely it, it was absolutely fine. I, I had fun with it. Yeah, again, it's a film I reviewed and spoke highly of without loving. Well, no, that's not true. I think the thing I would liken it to is, although I think it's better as an example of its type, but I think I said about Avatar, it's a three-star film that some people will think of as a favourite. I, I, yeah. I think I had this a bit better than that, but the same principle applies. I probably enjoyed it more than it deserved, but it is a lot of fun. The visuals are great, music's great, action's great, humour's great, characters you won't give two shits about, but it's good. Yeah. Um, Big one of the big disappointments of the year for me, just because of the hype around it, was Prey. Now this. Oh, you, you, you not like it? 
no but I didn't hate it either I was just I was a bit this is where sometimes I said to you I can concentrate on films at home and I really can but I've got to want to and I've got to be trying to and I think this was a film I didn't remotely concentrate hard enough on I should have yeah. seen this is film needed to be seen theatrically particularly as even though they're outdoors because they're in like a like, well, it's kind of a jungle I suppose um, it's got it's got a claustrophobia to it it's like you know and I thought it was exceptionally well made I thought the effects were phenomenal for what it was because it's still you know it's not going to get a theatrical release as such to get all the money back or at least on the models we used to know anyway and I thought this is the way to do it they, they keep trying to do rinse and repeats or contrasts with the original so the first one's in a jungle so second one let, let's try something more sort of urban and then it's like well let's do something similar but we'll be on a foreign we'll be on their planet instead do you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i think this was the way to do it what did you think of it um i i thought it was okay um i think it was it's there's something felt very much like it was like a an idea for like a thirty minute short that kind of like stretched out and and I think they stretched, and I, I think they did it well. Um, but yeah, I suppose you get animated like well, it was a book to start with, but like instead of Batman as a film, you get mm -hmm. Gotham by Gaslight, and it's like what if he was in the time of Jack the Ripper? Yeah. But it's relatively short. You don't make a two hour tempo release out of it, I suppose. Yeah. No, but I, I, yeah, but I think that sounds a bit harsh, a criticism. But it it kind of felt like uh, it it kind of felt like a bit of a of a, a what if, even though it's perfectly reasonable for it to be like a timepiece. It, but it felt very um, it, it felt original enough as a concept, but in practice, it felt like you just kind of it has a bit of a novelty aspect to it. Yeah, I think I'd go along um, with that. Couldn't see me watching it again. Couldn't see me ever having any need to watch it again. Yeah, but you know, but I didn't have any problems with it while watching it. It was, it, it, it was just kind of mostly that. It was just, um, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of, I get the idea, and I think it's on paper, it's, it's a really solid idea for the series to go forward. But to do these, to do these type of things, um, but to go back to more primeval time, you know, it was like, well, okay, well. You're kind of like regressing. You kind of like doing a little bit of a what if kind of um, kind of scenario, but but it's definitely worth a watch. You've yeah. seen it. Talking of streaming, another film I saw. I think this might be Amazon. No, it's not. It's Netflix. I saw a film called Rogue Agent with James Norton, who has been talked about as a possible Bond. How possible that is, I don't know. If he was, if he was, he would be a very Fleming-esque take on it. He's got a very public school air to him, um, so I think it would be more like a literary type. But he mm. plays basically a con man. He pretends to be like you don't know this immediately, but he, he he's pretending to be an MI5 agent, and he's getting all these people like incredibly loyal to him, and even having an affairs with some of them. One of them being Gemma Arterton, so there's a Bond link there. And I would just recommend it, just to see what you think of him as a as a potential name in the frame. Holly but, agrees with you. Yeah, I know, I'm trying to stop her bloody bad. Oh, bless her. <laughs> yeah, she's, got, she's getting a word in edgeways. Um, 
Well, she's jealous. She don't actually like me talking to anyone else. Oh, no, daddy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God forbid if I try and kiss my wife, she'll just kiss With me together. With you co-host, yeah. Polly, the dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that that's really worth watching. But the next uh, cinematic release I wanted to talk about... Well, it's not even cinematic. This It's actually two streaming releases, but I sort of want to talk about two of them at the same time. We got two releases of Pinocchio this year. Did either of you see either of them? No, uh, I know the the Disney one because um, I've I've seen various clips and I've seen like reviews and people talk about it, yeah. and it just strikes me as um, a, I want to say a bastardization of the original, <laughs> like that just completely just gutted everything about it and installed everything that made it completely superfluous. Uh, it's garbage. They've they've put yeah. in a live the action. The one, I should say. I, yeah, I, I don't... they have put in a live action version of the animated Pinocchio. So he looks strangely uncanny valley, real and animated at the same time. They've cast Tom Hanks as Geppetto on the basis that of it's Tom Hanks, but he's completely wrong for the role. He's still probably a bit too young, but even if you bought into that, his accent is wandering all over Europe and America. And they've stuck in the superfluous... It reminded me, because it's also a Robert Zemeckis film. And Robert Zemeckis did a version of uh, A Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. And if you remember that film, he threw in a load of action sequences. Um, I thought that was quite decent from a technical standpoint, considering the motion capture, etc., etc. Yeah, um, and well, this just film does the, the same. Of, of Jim Carrey. It, it basically makes the same film, but sort of changes the end, the, the last sort of half of the last act. And as a result, the ending. But it's largely give a little little whistles not in it, but it's all the same songs. Oh. Um, and it's just utterly superfluous. And what's worse is the Lion King. You can watch at, you can watch and go. Well, it's visually beautiful. It's roughly the same story. Yes, they're singing can can singing can you feel the love tonight at midday, <laughs> but fair enough. It's basically Hamlet. But you watch, but you watch this, and it's just like it's giving you nothing. It's a few minutes longer to add nothing and the changes it makes are undoing plot points that were done perfectly right the first time round I mean the, the original Disney film is, is, is a classic I mean it's, it's one of those things you know it's sort of if you're, if you're introducing a young one to Disney or if you're a fan of Disney it's I mean a lot of it perhaps may seem quite scary to a modern audience yeah. um, and some of the aspects perhaps haven't as aged as well as perhaps it would have done you know at the time um, but it's you know it's, it's certified as a classic for sure um, this new version I avoided but I've seen the um, Del Toro version recently uh, take um, us away uh, on that because that's a different story isn't it Becca yes yeah, it's, 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 it's completely different uh, I mean the same make this tip well so go and head over to set the tape check out Dave's review excellent um, I almost enjoyed reading the review as I did the film uh, both equally fantastic um, well the film was better than my review they put a bit more effort <laughs> into it to be fair they didn't knock it out in 20 minutes ago that'll do <laughs> four stars yeah that's yeah. fine yeah. Um, actually I gave Guillermo del Toro a five star review yeah five, I was going to say five star review actually yeah. if I'd read it properly sorry about that one dropped yeah. the ball there um, yeah no I, also, so I only saw it recently so it's kind of still quite fresh um, but no I, I really enjoyed it um Typical, yeah, you know, Del Toro, you know, true visionary, um, and plus also like kind of stop motion style of animation, which I love. Um, I think if I could, if I could do it, I probably would have pursued it in some way, shape, or form as into career because I, I, I try to keep up with sort of animated stuff like that. Uh, this year, perhaps I haven't as much, but I generally try to. Um, 
and plus you don't kind of see that style of animation very much anymore or if it is um like with the lego movies or that kind of that kind of um, style of film um it's or like cgi for example i'm um, trying to mimic that style very much um but something like this we've got like real actual models being made um that's why i've sort of you know taken interest in things like um obviously it's a few years old now but like thunderbirds i'll go um or where you know still animation stuff like where it kind of blends or anything new that anderson entertainment are working on and now or because it's very much a blend of of um real sets puppets models and cgi for example and but i this cried is, at it yeah i cried at it beautifully animated really beautifully yeah. animated um and it's, it's a really touching story as well i mean you, you say i think we spoke to this maybe um off offline and i think you mentioned it in your review as well like the opening moments are very similar to, to pick those up yes um if you if you if you don't shed a tear, your heart is made of stone. That's where I you cried. Know? I didn't cry in any of the rest of the film, to be fair. With Up, I did yeah, cry a couple of times later sad. on. Uh, but it's beautifully made, beautifully realised. Yeah. Um, probably only one of those sort of films that Del Toro could make, definitely. It's very much his kind of unique vision in the way it kind of looks and feels. Um, my one criticism would be um, that the songs in it are kind of short and sweet. Um, it's neither it, a musical nor not a no, musical. No, does it want to be a musical? I don't no, think No, th- that's the film's really one flaw. Fun. It wasn't enough to not knock any of the stars off, if you no, like. No, there's nothing wrong. All performances are great. All the singing's yeah. brilliant. But um, it is a flaw. The, it's just one of those films where, like, the songs are perhaps, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of them. Um, but it could have done maybe, like, two or three really sort of big pieces if it were to be a proper musical. But it doesn't really know if it does or doesn't want At to be a musical. At the time, it's not a musical, but occasionally they burst into song. Yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it, definitely. But it's not—it's not a problem, you know. I didn't dislike the film because of it. Um, but in a technical standpoint, utterly brilliant, and it's just—it's really refreshing to kind of see this art form because you don't see it very often these days. Certainly not in, in a sort of Western cinema. Um, I think he's got this. Um, I think he had Nightmare Alley, and also is it Cabinet of Curiosities, the the yeah. other series that he's yeah. got on on Netflix, um, other streaming platforms, which I've I've not seen yet, unfortunately. But I hear it's very very good. Um, I think it's it's more something that obviously it's films made by the filmmakers and stories written by the um, other creatives, but it's something that he curates, and then maybe he's contributed one or two stories. Um, but I need to check that out as well because that does look excellent. But that's kind of more into sort of like gothic horror, mysterious, you know, sort of darker undertones that he's known known more for. This film um, feels less like Del Toro going look at how dark and into creatures I am though. It's got yeah, a darkness it's, it's to it possible, without. It's, more, uh, it's not I running up. It's not rubbing up against it being a family film though. It can still no, work. No, well. yeah, it's, it's kind of like a mixture. Is it if something like um, like The Shape of Water or Pan's Labyrinth, which is really dark and quite nightmarish. Mm. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's more edging towards the kind of um, like PG PG thirteen twelve A. You know, if you had to kind of turn it into a family film, uh, maybe one for the, perhaps the older children. Um, little ones, I say, still stick. Well, maybe if you can't stick with the Disney cartoon. Yeah. Um, obviously, there are some scenes in that now. Like, I remember um, on this is quite a long rambling review. Um, a few years ago now, um, Channel Four, I think it must have been. Is it Channel Four or BBC? I can't remember. Um, went through a period. I think it was over the Easter holiday. Um, showed a lot of like kinds of Disney animation. So they had sort of. Um, I think Dumbo was one of them. Um, we were like, this is quite, you know, quite trippy for the time. Yeah. And some, you know, obviously some of the, the stereotypes, perhaps not like the crows, for example, now, pun intended, wouldn't fly. Um, and this is kind of before, or maybe it's during that sort of age where you, you know, you would have a disclaimer of all those films, you know, it may contain outdated views and opinions. Um, yeah, so obviously everything with caution. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this new version of Pinocchio, I think the, the two remakes that we've had recently, Del Tomo version is definitely the one to watch 
maybe give the other one a, a, a pass by. Um, but the whole version definitely, I mean, it's, it's beautifully made, beautiful to look at, strong performances, well written, well directed, obviously by Visionary Del Toro. Um, yeah, one drawback would be like some of the songs. I don't know if you want to be musical or not, but that's not, you know, it's not enough to, to say nope, don't worth it. But um, don't watch it. Um, 100% worth your time. Do check it out. And for me again, that's one of the films of the year. Definitely, yeah. My, my my list is kind of long, yeah. get longer and longer. So can't cover everything we've I've seen. There's a couple I'll skip over here. Uh, so we want to hit some of the big hitters. I know I've done a few smaller ones. Let's move on to Black Adam. Oh, okay. Uh, what do you make of that? Oh, Pierce Brosnan in it. Uh, yeah, Pierce Brosnan's like, the best thing in it. But playing yeah, he's not, <laughs> playing not Doctor Strange. Uh, for the sake of full yeah, disclosure, okay. I've, I'm, I'm skipping uh, Ticket yeah, to Paradise, which is a rom-com with George Clooney my wife wanted to see, but there's really not much to say about it. It does what it says on the tin, and it does it okay. And then I saw a film with Sally Hawkins and Steve Coogan called The Lost King about the search for the remains of that was really Richard good. III. Like, again, that was oh, like we can talk about it if you've seen it. I, I thought it was okay. I don't think it sold why she suddenly became so obsessed with it. No, I kind of came away... Cause I, I think you kind of... It's one of those films where like, it'll, t- it'll give you, tell you into it about how you know how it sort of happened with the rest of it as well. Yeah. I kind of like, I like the fantasy sequences. That was quite interesting where she was like talking she's to Richard. To, and, she's chatting yeah, to a young version uh, I think of King Richard. The yeah. actor who played him, I forget his name, I'm going to have to look him up. Yeah. Um, he's been in a few episodes of Doctor Who, various fantasy sci-fi shows and that as well. He's got a quite a distinctive look to him. Um it does the role very well considering it's also a largely unspeaking part um, Sally Hawkins is fantastic whatever she does is just amazing um, she's playing very she's playing very dowdy here definitely and I, I think this, she she's one of these sort of act, actors who's very much um, I mean she's known for these kind of sorts of films um, but she's quite sort of I don't know how to say it like a chameleon like she can turn her hand to almost every, sort of, every kind of role um, and she kind of always fits into it as well. And even because the, the character is um, has um, Emmy and Fibre and stuff like that as well, which is kind of similar to what I have. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it's touched upon really, and it's it's not like a, a major part of her life. But, but it's, she is struggling you know, it's, through it's, ill it's health. An aspect, yeah, with, with health issues, and it's yeah. an aspect of her character. And it's something that kind of feels very believable. It's not kind of <clears> you know, it's, it's not heaped on, or it's not, um, you know, it's not made to kind of look like oh, it's, oh, it's her fault, or that's why she does it, or anything like uh, that. The guy, um, for the guy who played the king, uh, was uh, Viserys Targar- Targaryen in the first series of Game of Thrones. He was, was, he, he was blonde. He was basically Daenerys's brother. Um, yeah, he's got a very distinct. But he was also in a couple of episodes of Doctor Who as well, going back a bit. He was indeed. I think he ended up as a um, maybe during the David Tennant era. Or no. Yes, it would be. Era. It would be looking at um, the, he ended looking up at the days. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A scarecrow, I want to see. Um, Family of Blood, I want to say. Um, a very, very unfortunate end. Um, but yeah, that was that was pretty cool episode. So yeah, I highly recommend that. So yeah, as, as a Whovian, there's a there's a draw there as well. Um, but again, it was very much typical British underdog kind of story. Um, but yeah, really interesting. Again, based on a true story of how his remains were found under a car park in Leicester. I tell um, you what, let, let let's come back to Black Adam. Let's just run through a few smaller films to see if we've seen them and what we want to say about them. Did either of you see Blonde, the Marilyn Monroe film? No. no, I didn't. Okay, I won't say very much about that, except it's a tough watch in a lot of ways. She's miscast, but she's very good. Uh, yeah, I heard Adam Armas was very good in it, and she does look like her, I thought. She does her best to look like her. She, yeah. can, she can pull the same expressions and essay the same look, but she she's, she is like the wrong build and wrong, wrong ethnicity to a degree, but it works okay. Holly uh, agrees. <laughs> then, I saw, then I saw a film with uh, called Brian and Charles. Ah, oh, no, I did see that. All right. Because it was screened at 
um, uh, and a film club recently, which is a club that, that I attend. Um, and the original film which that is based is actually on YouTube for free, so go and check that out. Yeah, you made a short film um, with it. It's based. Yeah, it's like 15 minutes. It's Brian Gittins. It's Kev from. Um, yeah, it's, it's Kev. It's Kev from um, Derek. From Derek, pretty much. Yeah, it is. Pretty he much, builds yeah. his own robot. Utterly charming, utterly charming. And again, it's one of those typical like underdog stories because like at, at the end, there's a bit. Of, I mean, spoiler alert, but do check do check out Brian and Charles, everybody. It's fantastic. Um, it's a real feel good film. And at, at the end, there's so he's kind of yeah. Obviously, he builds this, this robot. He's a lonely inventor in wilds of Wales somewhere. Um, and he sort of you know there's kind of there's a love interest there as well with this lady who sort of lives down the road. He's kind of under the thumb of her mother a little bit. Um. But yeah, so he, he builds himself a robot. Um, Charles Petrescu. <laughs> yeah, Charles Petrescu, which is like a Romanian name. No, Petrescu um, is anyway. And he's got a ridiculous way of, of, of speaking, which I think is genius. And he's made from basically the innards of a washing machine. <laughs> he looks very strange. And, and a mannequin head. And, and a mannequin head. With some glasses and, and a hat. long arms. But he yeah. longs of, of, you know, he sort of gains his own consciousness during, during a storm one night um, and becomes sentient. And he dreams of running away and seeing the world and going to Hawaii, yeah, somewhere like, like that, that. Some, some hot country, and like he makes himself like a grass skirt and he becomes rebellious. He be- yeah, he rebels. He's like, no, he's like a teenage boy. He's like, no, I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to escape and run away. Um, and he's also, um, but it's also kind of bullied by sort of like a local local farmer, I guess. Yeah. And there's a kind of standoff towards towards the end of the film, um, we sort of. There's, there's a fight almost, there was a, but it, it, it's one of those moments where, like, when we saw it with our film club audience, um, we all went, yes, you know. It's <laughs> one of those I saw in a local community centre. It's the sort of thing you get at that sort it of is, fair. Yeah, it's, it's very much that um, kind of moviola kind of style, isn't um, it? Um, and it's yeah, so it's, it's a brilliant film. It's quite short. It's like what ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's about um, that. Yeah, it's, very often these these films. I mean, we're known as a country. We're, we're kind of known for producing these sort of films, but. They are some of them are quite cheesy, <laughs> a little bit enough. But some of them, occasionally, a gem will come along, like Brian and Charles, and it is, you know, it's very low budget, <laughs> very little special effects. Um, just check it out. Just do go and see it. Um, you can probably pick up the home release quite cheaply. I say the original film, which is based 15, 20 minutes, is on YouTube for free. Go and check it out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's based, you know, it's on Derek as well. Um, but it's a, what are they well, obsessed with? Cauliflowers, isn't it? Is it cauliflowers or cabbages? Cabbages. Yeah, cabbages. he's obsessed with cabbages. Yeah. <laughs> really randomly. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, to be honest, you don't really need to have seen Derek or anything, you know, to, to get into it. Um, bizarrely, as well, one, one of my, um, one of our, um, one of our, uh, our club members, um, actually, I got it for Christmas. Um, there's a book, um, Kajui Shiguro, uh, Clara and the Sun, which is, I think it was on, Radio 4, Bigger Bedtime, or, or the Book Club, or something like that as well, which deals with sort of similar themes, sort of the AI sort of friend, robot friend. Um, and I, was, I received it for Christmas, so I was like, oh, this is, you know, quite good, um, after it was recommended to me. Um, so that's another literary offshoot there that you can you can check out if you want to, listeners. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend Brian and Charles, very charming little film, and a feel-good film that'll have you punching the air at the end. Okay, so no, sorry. <laughs> sort of sort of skipping a film I saw but don't really want to say much about. Um, Eddie Redmayne and Jessica Chastain, the Good Nurse. This was a true story about a Ooh, nurse kill- about a nurse killing his patients, but I don't want to talk about it because it's a how-to guide for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, don't do that, Chris. Please. <laughs> He'll be like, I'd like to try that. 
Basically, you're oh, so that's how you do it. Yeah. Like, this is how not to do it. Basically, Chris, it's the saline drips you got to go for, all right? Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> what's like? What's that, what's that case that's going on here in in England at the moment? Um, the, the nurse, nurse. killed all those babies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Grim, isn't it? It is. It's, it's terrible like that. I just think, oh my gosh. She didn't even have the good grace to be a bit of a moose. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the the thing is with her though, it's like she's clearly like she's demented psychopath. Like, well, I I think even that those words are just uh, are even diminishment to like to someone who did that because it's not the fact that she did what she did it was the fact that she knowingly did it as well as lying to like the parents faces saying that oh trust me i'm a nurse kind of talk i'm deliberately like you know trying to kill you but you know yeah it's just like it's just really like disturbing shit yeah, so, it's, it's uh, terrifying, isn't so it? So for a for a heartwarming version of that fair dramatised <laughs> The Good Nurse on Netflix, uh, the Banshees of Inisherin. We're getting quite close up to date now. Did either of you see this? I yes, saw I it. Yeah, this um, is the same team that did Seven Psychopaths and In Bruges. Same two leads yeah. as well. I, I went into it a little bit blind because I kind of thought, oh, obviously it's, you know, it's the same. Obviously, it really loved In Bruges. Hilarious. Mm. Um, and I didn't know too much about like I didn't know it was set at like turn of the century I well, obviously it's set in Ireland but I didn't realise it was like 1900 settings I thought oh maybe it's like a follow up to Imbruge or something like that no um, so that was a bit of a surprise to me um, and it's also a bit gory <laughs> I thought it was going to be funny like Imbruge and it is only slightly it's more whimsical it's, more, more kind of dry, it's very, it's very dry subtle humor. isn't it subtle yeah, yeah. It's, it's not as like over the head over the, head, over the top um, like Life Out Loud, for example. Yeah, it's more subtle humour, definitely, but still really good. I think top yeah. performances, again, one of my top films of the year. Yeah, two guys on Craggy Island aren't friends anymore. That's it the is plot. Craggy Island. Um, and it's set, in a, it's set about a century ago, something like 1918, 19, something like 19, that. Some, yeah, because it's worse well, um, oh. I'm sure someone described it. There's a wartime setting, isn't there, I think? Yeah, like Civil War, isn't it, or some sort yeah, of... Yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there are some kind of sad scenes, obviously not like wartime scenes and yeah, everything like that. Yeah, the Irish Civil War, yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, but I mean uh, the two central performances are fantastic. I mean, you know, you, you can't really fault them. I think they're just, you know, just amazing in, in whatever, whatever they do. I think. Okay, just before we go to Black Adam, then two more streaming oh films I've seen recently: All Quiet on the Western Front and See How They Run. Oh, I saw See How They Run. I need to see All Quiet on the Western Front, um, but I think that'll be that'll be for another day. <laughs> But yeah, see how they run. Definitely. Is that is that the one about the mouse trap or set around? The see mouse how trap? they run is yeah. 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 Um, Sam Rockwell, very knowingly wacky. Um, mm, yeah. Somewhat clever, somewhat funny. Not as good as you would hope it would be. It's one of those films where like, I, I really enjoyed it. A great ensemble cast. Um, so Saoirse Ronan is fantastic. She's amazing. Um, again, I probably just mangled her name, so sorry about that it one. Is so sure. did it right. It but it's Saoirse. one of these movies yeah. where, like, uh, Saoirse, there we go, sorry. But I'm, I'm, you said it right, I think. It's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be mangled Becky, by just, you, just, so I can just, only just apologize. Say, just say it however you want, but with an hour shot, it'll be fine. <laughs> but Saoirse, Warren. I will mangle your name. I'm very sorry. Um, if we ever come to... I'm trying to think if we've got any international cinema-type line-up coming soon. <laughs> I'm just going to mangle. Yeah, when we come to do, obviously, our... Oh, God, here we go. It's our African movies season. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> We're in trouble. Um, never mind. It. It's fine. See how they run. There's a couple of sequences <laughs> I'm not going to listen. It's all right. There's a couple of sequences in it sort of set to the score of the film. Bit whimsical, mm. where they're trying to make their way somewhere, and you go, 
this is like the breaking out of prison in um, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Scenes yeah, it's very much some scenes of it, some scenes it's not quite as quirky, but some scenes are almost Wes Anderson-ish. Yeah, yeah. I think it could very much be like a Wes Anderson movie. Mm. Um, but I, I kind of I enjoyed it. Okay, great performances, great ensemble cast. Um, Heath Trailer and the Mash Trap as well, classic Adrian play. Go and check it out if you can. On the stage, not giving away the ending. It's the only one they have. Yeah, yeah um, I, I, I thought like this film kind of. Um, played around with that too much for my liking I mean, it, it didn't it didn't sort of ruin the mousetrap but i was like you, you know you're kind of playing with fire here you're just yeah really like they miss too much with the classics cause, so. cause, well i mean they, they don't in the end but i think you're, you're no. kind of it was a bit like midway through of like you, you, you're toying a bit here i'm you, you, are you about to do something blasphemous you know, yeah, that's thing. it. I mean, it, it is essentially, it does end up being one of yeah. those sort of Christie-esque country house kind of murder mysteries almost. And it's one of those ones where, like, it'll kind of, it, it keeps you guessing up to a point. But, if you know, if you're familiar with Mousetrap, familiar with Christie, then you know which way it's going to go. Um, I saw this at the cinema, and then obviously it came out Disney Plus. shortly after on, on, on Disney Plus, yeah, because it's, it's Fox. Um, and I was like, well, it's very, TV film is, what I'm, is, my, is my bottom line. Um, but again, yeah, great performances. Um, yeah. Sam Rockwell, hilarious. Sasha Renner, mm. hilarious. Um, yeah, just you know, a, a great cast definitely, but maybe one for the for the small screen for sure. Yeah, all quiet on the Western Front. Conversely, um, I found extremely impressive. Don't think I'd ever want to watch it again. It's relentlessly grim. It really well, does. It really does put war. you into the thick of it. And I've got a lot more to say about it because I was so taken up. This might be a knock on the film, or maybe it might be praise for the film. I don't know which it is. I was so taken up with authentic, how authentic it felt. Felt I don't remember much of the story, but it was it was relentlessly grim look at life in the trenches in World War One. Um, another thing I saw very recently, and I'm trying to think, did I see it on a download or a stream? I promise we'll do Black Adam next. Uh, they made a new, <laughs> they've made they've made a new Fletch. Yeah, I, I think you're going to say Black Adam. I was like, what's that? No, 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 they've made a new Fletch film with John Hamm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that at all. Like so, well, until uh, it was out, I was like, "Oh, really?" Yeah, it's a fucking blast. It's brilliant. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, is it good? Yeah. I need to check it out. Thing is, I don't very much remember much about the original Fletch films no. now, but like he, he sort of ends up fingered for a murder. He's he's sort of a an ex investigative reporter now, but he's keen to tell everyone what a successful and brilliant investigative reporter he was. He's in a he's in some relationship. He goes to sort of stay at a house in America because he's living elsewhere, and like finds a body and he's at, and he's holding the murder weapon. So far, so cliche, but it's really funny. And he's like trying to get involved with the local police, and they're finding him extraordinarily irritating. And and there's all this sort of cast of quirky characters because you got uh, is it is it his mother not effect, is it his mother-in-law? I think it's his. I can't remember if it's his father's like wife like if or it's or a colleague's wife and whatever it is there's a real like i think it's his girlfriend's mother and she's a really sort of eccentric sicilians type who who thinks she's like super attractive and that he must want to yeah. sleep with her and it's worth checking out it's really funny and jam john ham wears the role like a glove it's really good jam oh, okay because i was never like um I, I don't think i've properly seen the fletch movies yeah well che- so, chevy chase can be a bit yeah much. But yeah, Black Adam. Come on then, what do we reckon of this? So uh, Pierce Brosnan uh, as the best as, thing in it. <laughs> as not Doctor Strange. Um, 
because he's very Doctor Strange like, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's it's sort of cheap cosplay Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you know. What? I am going to say though, he was the best thing in it. Yeah, probably. Hmm. Um, it's, it's strange how Pierce Brosnan's like career's taken off since Bond. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, kinda, isn't it? Because he went through it's a like period of this, this like, directed DVD life. shit, didn't he? Mm. You know, all these all these films where he's holding a gun on the cover or something, and you just know it'll be shot. <laughs> so like, or, or like these spy thrillers, like November Man. Yeah, exactly. Or... Stuff like that. They're never any good. No. Um, but uh, it was okay. Yeah, but okay is not good, is it? <laughs> That's what I mean. Um, he's he, the he best made that film, obviously not like a, a Bond spoof or anything, but he made that film where like he was. He's basically like terrorizing a family on the end of a phone. That was a bit scary. They obviously Bond, obviously Bros in a villain, villainous type role. No, but I mean he was a bit of an anti-hero in the Taylor of Panama, which was he was very good in. Yeah. But um, the thing with Black Adam is this has now been even more hurt by the fact that we think this could date badly if I say we know. We think this continuity is all coming to an end, right? Whether they're able to soft reboot and keep elements, or I don't know. So he's spent years putting this Black Adam thing together. His name's always been attached to it. It long predated Shazam being talked about. It ran through different directors and all the rest of it. Then the end result comes out. Uh, The opening scene of the film spoilt it because I could see from the side that the character that we thought was him, it's a different character that's him. Um, that was spoiled at the start I saw it straight away and then all of it just looks like semi cheaply made everything looks like a set even though they're in a city and the plot is a bit so fucking what and he is somewhat playing a dour version of himself and I just think like this doesn't I was entertained for the time I was with it I found all the beats very predictable but at the end of the film, I was like, this is already dead. There's, there's nothing more in this, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, who'd have thought the Fonz was an aging superhero? Yeah, there is a little um, there is a little cameo from Henry, Henry Winkler. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was amazing. Oh my God. I mean, I think one of the surprises is, and it, in a way, it's, it's kind of an odd way to go. It's, it's with the Pierce Brosnan and, and all that. No, the was it the Justice Society? Society. Yeah. It's like I wasn't expecting to have a like a, a team of superheroes as well injected into this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, here, here, do you know what I mean? So it was kind of like, oh, this is a bit of a surprise, but it, it, it. it I I'm thought the sure lead thing. woman was pretty good because she was on the screen a lot. By good, I mean <laughs> fit. She uh, had screen time. Yeah, I, I, like she's kind of fit. That was all I meant. Like a bit of a yummy mummy. Um, no, it, it, the film was just unremarkable in every way, but that what doesn't mean it was bad. Yeah. What was she in before? I'm sure I reckon I, I remember that. Oh yeah, she was in that. Um, she's got a slight um, Mar- Marina Baccarin air to her. Uh, she isn't, yes. but Marina Baccarin, who was in like five, yeah. five years ago in Homeland and uh, Deadpool and all that, she's got that sort of quality. Yeah, she was um, in Person of Interest, that's why. Oh, yeah, okay. she did a lot of TV, that's why. Yeah. Basically, if Marina Baccarin and like Eva Longoria like bread, it would be something like this. Um, but it was just unremarkable in every way, and a lot of it was sort of um, around this child who was fine. 
and the story was fine and the overall plot was fine you get the picture but mm. I'm, I'm not screaming for a sequel to it and of course they threw in a Henry Cavill I've got to judge it as I saw it at the time we didn't know Cavill was out at the time but obviously they were che- you know going they had Amanda Waller and Henry Cavill Superman and it was like here you know here we are he's going to be part of this universe now and it was like fine but I mean he's how many wildly overpowered people do you need because he is wildly overpowered um, and it's okay it's kind of nice they've gone to a different part of the world rather than another sort of standing for Metropolis mm. or Gotham it's got, it's got a different colour palette to it although it's very sandy um, and that can add to a slight feeling of artifice sometimes but it's just unremarkable it's not even bad it's just unremarkable yeah um, I, I enjoyed it for what it was uh, I could tell it probably um, it probably had a few production issues. I think it's probably had a load of stuff that's been cut or reshot yeah. uh, to make a more of a basic generic. It's very basic, yeah. So yeah, you know, right, so, which you know what I'm happy with. Yeah. You know, sometimes it, it's nice after like trying to you know throw in too much or trying to be too different. Sometimes just basic is a nice sort of ah oh, right you know yeah. I was fine with that um, but then again it didn't blow me away um, yeah it, it I think one of the things that kind of I was a bit unsure about is kind of how the the humour played because the Rock is playing it or I say Dwayne Johnson is he's playing it kind of very um, kind of almost like emotionless he's playing it, it he's going for stoic he's actually yeah. largely hit bland most of the time and you know it's sometimes the humor doesn't quite land you know um I, i'm thinking most of the stuff of like of where, where he's supposed to sort of tell the man in black sent you yeah you know i like how he's like oh i should have said that before, shouldn't I? Or, like, you know, or whatever it was. Oh, he's uh, trying to learn, like... It, it's mm. very like John Connor trying to teach the Terminator. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't like... I mean, Terminator 2 is a fine film. I know I'm harder on it than most, because I prefer the first one. But that, that sort of interplay between John Connor thematically works, because they're supposed to be bonding. But in the individual beats you're like Christ a grown man write that dialogue and I was a bit like that with this but then I I did sort of try to give those things passes because if you look at Shazam Shazam is a boy as a superhero and I thought maybe this is aimed at wish fulfillment for younger viewers I don't know but even then it would become totally quite inconsistent because he's quite violent at the start isn't he yeah, I'm not, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't need a higher rating. I don't mean that. I just think thematically and his behaviour, if you like, is darker than like kids' wish fulfillment film. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's the point, isn't it? He's supposed yeah. to be kind of like. He's kind of like what if Superman uh, just didn't give a fucking just kill people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you uh, send out a girl with a baseball bat. We said we learned that in a previous film. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, but she's crazy. So. Oh, uh, so that makes that's a superpower. She's a bit mad. Yeah, and she's got uh, and, and she knows basic medicine. Yes, psychology and everything. Yeah. Um. um so I'm on the final three on my list. If anything wants to, uh, anyone wants to add anything, a uh, couple of couple of films that are sure to be Oscar bait. 
and I'm not convinced either of them work particularly well. I saw David O. Russell's Amsterdam, and the most damning thing I can say about that is I saw it on Boxing Day, and I can't tell you what happens in it. <laughs> okay. Other than um, Christian Bale's playing a guy who got badly injured in the war and is now helping soldiers. A la, there's a character in uh, Boardwalk Empire like it who's got like a proto-prosthetic on his face to cover like a load of damage. He's doing that sort of thing. Has he got like a glass eye or something? Yeah, he's got a glass eye. And Marco Roby... I kind of get the impression that... I, I haven't seen it. I'm reminding um, I think myself it's of on, it now. It's on Disney Plus. It is now, yeah. yeah. I kind of get the impression like the, the cast look incredible, yeah. but I kind of got the impression that, that the cast is better than the film. I'm sure that's not the case. No, it is the case. It, the, the cast is much better than the film, and it's better and it's better than. Uh, sorry, David O. Russell's batting average is better than this film as well. So mm, yeah, because he's, he's quite an impressive director as well. He's got some good films to his name. Yeah, it's very. I mean, I'm trying to remind myself about the film now. It, him, Dave, John David Washington and Margot Robbie meet uh, and spend time together in Amsterdam. John David Washington and Margot Robbie become a couple. Eventually, um, and she's, she's a nurse, so she treats Bale for his injuries in the war. And eventually he goes back to his estranged wife in America and starts treating people. And it's all stuff around that, and it, it, it's it's rather it's nice in its details. It's well made, but it's just like I say, four days on, and I'm like, what happened again? Yeah, so that's not great. But the other Oscar bait film I saw was She Said. Now this is the is it Kerry Mulligan film? Yeah, I did this, see this. It's just about uh, Weinstein. About the Me Too. This is the Weinstein film. Now it's funny I've just mentioned yeah. Margot so Robbie. It's basically. Um, like all the president's men, but for me, two generation about Weinstein and how it came about, or oh. um, or Spotlight, one of those sort of films. No, I tell you exactly what it is. It's Bombshell. Bombshell, that's the yeah, uh, that's the other one. It's yeah. Bombshell. It, it's it's very similar film. The <laughs> only difference is Bombshell was the cast. Uh, the cast. <laughs> I suppose it is fucking made up, isn't it? Fox News. Um, it, it's the that was all about Bill O'Reilly and the and the treatment of women who worked for yeah. Fox and stuff like that and basically and, and Roger whatever he was called who run the station who was getting sexual favours from women to mm. get on air. This awesome. is this is about Weinstein, and it's exactly the same type of film. It's it's sort of in that case it was it, it's from the perspective of the journalists, the real yeah, journalists. Yeah, I would say it's it. kind of it's like the, the post or um, or spotlight. It is. Or the president's men. I think it's. I think it's. Me too movement it, definitely. I, I think it might excellent, be the New York Times because it definitely it definitely isn't the it definitely isn't the Washington Post because that would have stood out because all the president's men was that and so. No, was, no, but I'd, I'd say it's, it's very much obviously it's not of that kind of thing but it's very much of that kind of you know telling the, the true story about a movement how it came about sort of thing but that's the, that's the kind of film that it did call in terms of its technical standpoint as well and camera angles and how it told the story that's kind of what it reminded me of did um, you see it much, did you like it I did yes I did yes and yes um, yes yeah, it's, it's one of those uh, obviously being female as well um, but you know kind of how because I kind of thought oh this is going to be quite stale it's going to be quite you know quite heavy quite boring but it was told in quite a really interesting way definitely um and obviously based on all those kind of first hand first hand uh, first hand um uh, what's the word i'm looking for sorry first hand excerpts mm. um and of how you know it's one of those films where it's you very first hand because you've got you've got first-hand somebody, accounts is the word I was looking you've for. got ashley judd playing herself precisely exactly um, and i was just when she popped up i was thinking how how the hell because obviously when when it all kind of broke out you know that there was a lot of backlash you know you, you can't talk about this and is obviously a very respected man, you know, in, in the industry. And, and we've we've reviewed, reviewed 
his films on on our, on our show, unfortunately, um, or not his film, but like from from the studio. And you know, it's kind of one of these things that only came out sort of after the fact, only came out sort of re, you know very very recently. Um, and you know, there was a lot of backlash. There was a lot of you know, people didn't want to you know go on the record as it were. Um, but just in terms of its kind of sheer, you know, the, the sort of two two leads, the sheer bloody mindedness, um, the journalism kind of really helped to bring it all, you know, all to the fore. And so, you know, because we're going to be treated, we've been treated in this way. You know, we're going to make a stand up about it, and we are going to go on the record as it were. And it all sort of came about. Um, it was perhaps so aspects of it could have been told a little bit more dynamically, <clears throat> but it just goes to kind of echo the, the sheer doggedness. Um, of, of how they really kind of got these women to come forward and to speak um, and to kind of, you know, try to make their voices heard. Um, and it's obviously had, you know, powerful legal repercussions. But I, I would say it's very much, it's not as, I was going to say not as great as those films, but it's kind of, it's it's up there with them. For me, it's, it's in that kind of particular type of film filmmaking um, that tells about how a true story, you know, how that kind of story came to light, really. Um, all the leads are fantastic. And yeah, something like Ashley Judd, for example, I was thinking, how how did she did you know i just think it was amazing that he managed to get her in, in the film and play herself and and, and, and tell that story um and the rose uh, mcgowan voice is uncanny because that isn't it's, rose it's mcgowan scary, but it's isn't it? I, was, I was like is it really rose mcgowan oh my gosh oh, oh, oh. um you know she was well known as well um especially making like the screen films and things like that as well um and she, you know, she was trying to make a name for herself in Hollywood at the time, and it just had you know, sort of career in tatters, you know, due to it. Um, and a lot of these women as well wanted to speak up, and obviously, they, you know, they were silenced immediately. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's not. Obviously, Me Too has come out and become this big movement, um, but I don't, unlike as I say, like the post and all the president's men, um, that's kind of obviously not where it came from. Um, it's, this film isn't kind of it's not a catalyst for another movement obviously we've always had this like obviously the telling of, of the Me Too movement um, but I think in that style of filmmaking how it's made it's very much for me it's kind of on that in that same way of filmmaking like it's, it's it, you know if, if you enjoyed films like The Post and obviously it's a different story because that's about the Vietnam War um, and Watergate and that sort of thing um, but you know if you enjoyed those films then you were like Bombshell you were like um, she said um, and other films of that political ilk so that's why, for me, it's very much in the, in the prism of those type of films, even though that's not the catalyst for what happened, you know. So It's walking a fine line, because yeah. my first thought... You, you see what I'm trying to say, can't you? No, well, you find yourself almost editing yourself, because you don't want to give the wrong impression. So I'm going to have a go at explaining this. My thought when I was watching the film was this needs to be a lot more hard-hitting and a bit less earnest than it is. Then I thought, if you made this harder hitting, what am I asking for it to be more purient? So it got its points across fairly well, but only in the same way that Bombshell did. We both are still quite powerful films, though, isn't it? Even though it's not kind of like where it came from, but I think that's kind of why it's Spotlight it's quite did Spotlight did it better. Well. Spotlight did it better, in my and opinion. And also, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's it's just something that exposes. You know, something that we kind of know was going on for a long time, but again, nobody wants to come forward. Like with the spotlight, for example, you know, the the church and various things did obviously did cover up a massive operation. Um, a lot of the victims did, you know, did again didn't want to speak out. Um, and of course, it also is after, you know, is sort of young men, young boys, or perhaps you know, men that kind of had been quite young when it happened. Um, there's obviously a gender difference there as well. I I think I know that's broad brushstrokes and I don't want to offend anybody by saying that um, but especially in this age as well where perhaps we're a little bit more aware 
um, of its woke. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but, you know, you've got to be careful there as well. But I think, you know, it kind of wears its earnestness on, the, on its sleeve as well. Um, and, yeah, I think that's probably why it's... Yeah. <laughs> but I would say it's probably one of the most kind of important films of the year to come out about a you know, really important subject. Um, you know, that's still having repercussions in Hollywood today for sure. It's Hollywood so, shining a light on itself as well, which is not yeah, it's doing not, not liking, so not liking it's, what it's kind of brave from that perspective. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, bravery is, is a really important word. It's one that kind of tossed around quite a lot, um, certainly in the last couple of years. Um, but definitely, excuse me, <clears throat> my croaky throat. Um, but yeah, it's probably one of the most important films of the year. Um, but it's, it's quite sort of dogged in its um, in its depiction. Um, and some scenes can be a little bit stayed because it's almost almost documentary style in, in some aspects. Um, there's a lot of people sitting around at tables having meetings or on the phone. Um, very some very outdated technology is just you know kind of when smartphones were sort of just taking off. Um, some people with flip phones or um, really old kind of laptops that we perhaps we don't see these days. So that was quite interesting from that point of view. Or certain very you know fashions that were that were very much of, of the time, these sort of mid two thousands, um, which is quite interesting. Um, and some great cameo roles there as, as, as Dave mentioned. Um, but yeah, I kind of, yeah, as I say, it's kind of more. Oh, the sort Trump of, voice was incredible as well. That was yeah, some really great impressions. I was sort of like, so I heard that and I was like, that's not that's not Donald Trump, surely not. No, it's not. Um, he didn't. He, didn't, he <laughs> wouldn't join not. this in this, would he? I was like, yeah, excuse me, Trump. Do you want to come and be ridiculed yeah. in this film? No, I do not. Um, he'll be like, oh, I just hear yeah, this. Say that first. thing for us about all those women are fucking liars. <laughs> Can you do it for a movie? <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, will you just say this line into, and we'll play it forever. Um, no, I think it's incredible. Like I said, the cameo was that they got some of the impressions, you know, that they got, and I, that's very brave as well because I'm sure they must have incurred the wrath um, of, of said people that they, you know, they're impersonating. Um, and obviously, it's one of those films that tells you after Buzz about, you know, about, about the fallout of the movement and that sort of thing as well, and and, and kind of what happened. Um, I suppose as well, there's yeah, still live cases around it. Doesn't have the, have the impact to say, like, all the president's men or how, you know, how that really sort of came about. Um, but the story is told in what I mean to say by using those two sort of films is it's told in very much that that kind of Definitely. style. Definitely, it's that type of film. <clears throat> yeah. if sorry, if I was to be pessimistic about like films like these, Prison's pessimistic you, corner. Yes, um, would this be kind of example? Is there any of fruit what? in this corner, or is it a different? <laughs> does he have to travel <laughs> to a different corner for this bit? Maybe like a like an overly ripe. Like banana that's gone like sort of brown and probably a bit mushy at the end. Yeah. Um, Make some bread with that one. Yeah. Yes. Make some banana bread as we all did during lockdown. Um, is this like an example of Hollywood essentially sort of right? Let's just shine a spotlight on um, on Weinstein, Harvey Wein- Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. and let's just like brush everything else under the carpet. Like, right, right. We'll make a, we'll make an example of him because he's like caught yeah. and and tried now. Well. We'll, we'll 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 sort of like kind of do problem our solved. Yeah, yes, problem solved. Yeah, problem solved. Yeah, we made this film about it. We like, kind of sh- shone is, a light on our CD underbelly. It's just like everything else is fine. Oh, it's like oh, one of Rome's got like caught out. Oh, uh, okay. Well, um, let's uh, let's put like <laughs> let, let's make an example of him and pretend like no one else notices everything else. I suppose, given it's so close to the events, maybe, or so close to the end of it all, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I've not seen the film, but does the film kind of like it? Does that? 
Well, no, because it, it's not... The the only thing I can say in answer to that is conceptually making the film, yeah, quite possibly, because there'll still be executives in place who were in place when all this sort of shit was going on. If yeah, you would, if you were making it 20 years afterwards, maybe. But in terms of the way the film is structured, it's not Hollywood trying to clean house. It's outside trying to clean Hollywood. And people within Hollywood who are scared for their futures speaking up, who essentially have no power, because we're talking about actors and actresses who had names but not power. They're, they're not Tom Cruise, they're Rose McGowan. She's got Ashley Judd. They, they are still where they are to some degree. Their talent and work, I don't mean anything other than that, but whether they continue to make movies is, is the largesse of others. So yeah. them speaking up is dangerous. But, but like Rose McGowan is probably not going to get work anyway. No, she's not. Um, we've got regardless of like well, you know. And I think do, she so. was. I think she was. I'm going to burn this village down. Yes, but Ashley Judd still had an active career. She might be a little bit yeah, past did, her young she? lady peak, but she's still looking for interesting and and to keep interesting work and to keep busy. So, no, she, she made, made quite a few like films of very different genres, different characters as well. Wasn't, wasn't she like um, she didn't try to pigeonhole herself into mm. one particular genre? Or, well, she's quite good type. at playing Ashley Judd. I would say that. <laughs> I was absolutely was convinced was, was it was her. What was that? Um, oh, I want to say Kiss the Girls. It might not have been Kiss the Girls. Well, there's, there's one of those. She was in Kiss the Girls. Patterson adaptations. Well, in, you had Kiss the Girls and Along Came the a Spider, which was the first one. Kiss the Girls. She I was think in it was the first Kiss the Girls. Was she in that? I'm she pretty was sure. in the first one, yeah. Yeah, she kicked butt in that. Yeah. So that, that's like my one standout. And then the year actually, after she made Double Jeopardy, that was when she was at her peak commercially. Yeah, those two films are probably like, if you want to go for two good Ashley Judd movies, those are the ones. Mm. Although Double Jeopardy makes no fucking sense whatsoever. But no, it's all a bit. But she's really good in it. Yeah. That's all that matters. Um, but yeah, like, so I was, I just totally, because I, I had totally forgot that she was affected by it all. Um, and then, oh my god, um, turn that off. Sorry, <laughs> I don't, my TV's been on the whole time, so if you hear extra noise, no, we I haven't don't heard anything. Noise. You're alright. Um, I'm trying to think who else spoke up. I mean, a lot of the people who spoke up were like aides or bystanders or you know assistants, hmm. and they obviously had to risk it all and speak out. Um, yeah, and also that you do have people in who, who are like representing Weinstein, and they're having to admit certain things, and they're, it's the spin they're having to put on it, and then eventually they are broken down to we we can't really hide this anymore. We've been caught, but at no point does Hollywood genuinely come across as right. We've cleaned house now, because it is kind of dragged out of them, isn't it, Becca? E just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do sort of feel that's probably yeah. My mm. one criticism, I think that'll probably be my tagline at some point. Mm. Um, yeah, it goes a little, a little bit too long. A lot like my rambling reviews <laughs> drag on yeah. a little bit too much. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'd say yeah. It's, it's again one of those um, quite important films that, that came out of the year, um, and I think it's kind of not Hollywood drawing a line, but as, as you say, it's them kind of sort of looking at it. It's okay, we made this film about it. Not that everything's okay or such but just you know just holding the hand up admitting but just you know telling the story of what happened and the lasting effects of the Me Too movement why it came about how it came about um it, it just just tried to kind of catch it all you know with a wider net as possible um but I think yeah some very brave performances um bold choices um sort of you know strong cast as well um, the two female leads actually Carrie Mulligan is the name but she's the blander of the two mm. of them 
No, well, but, but both, one, both, are, both are really brilliant. I think the other one's the stronger. I think Carrie Mulligan... Carrie Mulligan gives the sort of performance thingy from fucking Harry Potter would give. Oh! You know, the woman, what's she called? Emma... <laughs> Emma, whatever she's called, Watson. Emma Watson. Yeah, like it, it's it's on the surface perfectly I competent actor, <laughs> but my God, she's trying quite hard here. Whereas the other one is just very very natural. The other lead's stronger. Can't think of her well, name now. I'll look it up. Equally, they're both you know sort of fantastic, but it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's just because it is. I, I don't think it probably will be as a con- iconic as up there with like all the presidents. No, it definitely will not. That kind of style of film, but it's just kind of made very much in that vein. Um, Zoe Kazan, yeah. Zoe Kazan, she's the strongest thing in the film. Definitely. Um, but for me, I was, yeah, it's definitely one of the most important films to come out this year. Um, brilliant cameos, brilliant cameos from um, Jennifer Ely and Samantha Morton as well. We yeah, haven't mentioned them; they're gosh. both superb. Incredible. Again, yeah, some very, very brave choices. Um, you know, a chance for them to kind of you know share their side of it. Um, yeah. What else have we seen before we round out? The All right. Well, we can't do a fruit corner, but I tell you what, I can do a vegetable one. Vegetable corner, okay. Glass onion. Oh yeah, of course, of course. How can we forget glass onion? Oh, let's finish on that because it's out. Right, was it sharp? Eh? Was it sharp? Uh, well, was it sharp? a lot of glass went everywhere. <laughs> Lots at one of layers. Point. Layers. Yeah. <laughs> did it make you? Did you have something in your eye? Um, if, if you if you cut an onion, it makes you cry or something. Well, like no, that, I know that, but he did. They had to put something in their eyes to simulate tears at one point. Have you? Have either of you seen it? No, I watched it the other night actually. So we watch it tomorrow. I meant to watch it over Christmas, but then I didn't. Okay, so I don't want to spoil anything, so I don't want to say very much. So I'll just give you a few headlines. In its uh, Daniel Craig is amazing. In the way the film is introduced and set up, Knives Out is stronger. Knives Out has a better first act. I just, I just think it's very. I think I enjoy Glass Onion more. It's it's a it's a bit. Glass, con- but, um, out getting is, is them fantastic. to getting them to the island is a bit more contrived. Couple of other negatives I noticed, and I'm not going to be negative about this film. I'm just going to lay you out the couple of things I thought were a bit more negative at the start. One is the vast majority of the action does take place in one room. I mean, you do see them outside and in the pool and everything else, but largely it's in one big open area, and I don't think that. I like the change of scene in Knives Out a bit more. Also, in Knives Out, you get many more scenes of actors talking to each other without Benoit Blanc there. So you get whole sequences where you see how the family relate to each other, and you see less of that in this film. If I were to talk about the plot, I mean, I've watched it twice now, and everything means something. Every line of dialogue is setting something up or telling you something. There are shots that you see where you actually see what you see it one way, but then you think you've seen it a different way. Um, So I think it's about as clever as the first film. I think it's a little bit more contrived. I think the casting is very similar. I think Janelle plays, you know, she's equally the, the, she's kind of the equal of, uh, Anna Deramas, but Anna Deramas plays plays a little bit younger in that film, so she, and she's a nurse, so you got her a bit more on your side. Yeah, she's amazing, isn't she? I didn't realise that. Obviously, she's uh, she plays kind of maybe like seventeen, eighteen or something like that. But she was always like early early twenties or uh, something. I mean, Anna Deramas is in her thirties now. She's about thirty-four. Yeah, this is it. Well, she's yeah played a, so she a was about younger than what she actually been. is. I mean, well, she's she seemed it. She had to be a qualified nurse, so I guess not. But she seemed no, younger. But she seemed so a little younger, definitely. Yeah, she was amazing. I found the first films set up a little better. I found it sort of variety of shots and scenes a little better. I found the interplay 
and therefore this the primary cast without the detective and their interplay more interesting but the plot here is at least the equal so if, if it's literally like a you know you have to peel away the layers isn't it it's... for me if 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 knives out's a five star film this is a four star film i liked it a lot six star film i think uh, knives out is fantastic um and it's yeah one of my favorite sort of films and especially you know as, as we mentioned um so like was it the is it death of the Nile remake did that come out this year as well or was that last year i think that was this year what that's at the the death of the Nile remake that came out early one. this year yeah, so that's at the other end of the scale. That's at, like, the should not have done end of the scale. Um, but whereas this is just, like, I think once you get over, for a lot of us, you know, certainly the JBR group that went to go and see it, we had that big hurdle of trying to get over Daniel Craig's accent. Um, but now, you know, he's settled into the role. He, he is Benoit Blanc. I would quite happily go and see a whole series of films. Yes, as would I. Yeah, it, yeah it's fantastic. He just has the most amazing wardrobe. Um, and there are a lot of callbacks to, obviously, um, Death on the Nile as well. If you read um, that, even under the sun, that was the wrong. That was the right one. Um, check out some of Michael Connell's posts on, on on kind of the, the look of the film as well in terms of the costumes. There's a lot of Cary Grant in there. There's a lot of um, To Catch a Thief in there. Um, there's a lot of Hitchcock in there, definitely by by, by um, many broad strokes. Um, for me, I have to kind of get over, <laughs> get over the hurdle from his accent. Um, but I think if, if Ryan Johnson can assemble these kind of the, the scale of, of these casts, mm. I think for me, aside from Daniel Craig, um, you know, Monet was probably the you know the, the best thing in it as well, playing you know two roles, two very different roles. Um, I saw I, I saw virtually no one in not like Knives Out. I've seen overwhelmingly positive praise for this, but I've actually seen a couple of people didn't like it. Yeah, it's one of those. I mean, it's always going they're always going to be compared, aren't they? But this so. is this is getting a few more brickbats but there's not a lot between them like i say the cast of characters assembled for the first film not necessarily the performances just the characters are a little bit better i wonder because there's probably more more bigger names haven't you because you've got um captain america you've got jamie lee curtis um you yeah. know, you've got more, more sort of heavy hitters i mean not not in this one still got some big names definitely yeah. um i mean ed, ed norton is, is fantastic he's kind of like this worse than elon musk you know if such a thing is possible I, i'm still working um, i'm still working out my review because i've got to write it tomorrow so it's forming in my mind as i'm doing it if i sure. right it's over it is overwhelmingly positive but if i had to say something i can feel it's going to be a four star yeah i'm <laughs> gonna say it, it will be i've decided already but i'm 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 saying that if I had to sum it up with one negative quote that compares it to the first one, the first one felt like an annex, an, uh, um, a more organic story. This feels like an elaborate game of Cluedo. This feels <laughs> like this feels like one big puzzle to solve, and that's that all it, is, it feels like. Much. Whereas Knives Out just got a little bit more to it in the family circumstances and stuff, because effectively they've all got a relationship with Edward Norton's character. And their relationship with him, although they want different things from him, their relationship to him is all pretty identical. They all have the same, we need yeah, something from this connection. guy. Whereas in Knives Out, they all had a very different relationship between them with Christopher Plummer's character. Yeah, I, it's, it's the same but different. I mean, they had, obviously, they have a bit of an Agatha Christie series on, on the BBC over the Christmas time. Um, and today, I think they had Witness for the Prosecution and... Madonna or an Express, which is amazing. Plot spoiler, they all did it. 
but it's like for me it's aside from the Brenner version it's like it's OG adaptation um and for me it, it calls back to kind of to that sort of classic sort of murder mystery I mean they all you know have they all want the same thing but they have sort of like different relationships as well but you sort of peel back those layers like you do with the glass onion um trying not to pick yourself to oh it's at least as funny as the first film it's probably funnier actually Definitely, yeah it's funny it's, it's a lot wittier as well um like the cameo roles right at the start of the film um like the fact that he's, he's forever in the bath um it actually reminded me a little bit of a character from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy really randomly um which was just unexpected I'm sure um and it probably wasn't intentional at all which is something that I thought of um and just like the costumes are incredible it's I wonder if to, to some sort of critics and reviewers there might be something wrong when you start to notice oh you know that's interesting costume and you start to think more about that because it takes you away from the world of the film um but for me it kind of adds adds very much to it I think um but I think perhaps it has kind of more I would say the first one perhaps has, has bigger names perhaps not that they're all like nobodies but they're still you know still well-known names fractionally it's kind of, it's kind of a mini bond reunion because you've got Mr Hinks as well um where you had Anna Deramas but that was stopped <laughs> before to be fair sure no that's mm. it's a very tenuous link <laughs> did you notice one of the policemen from the first film was in this film yeah did you notice are. it was the that? same guy same chap same chap there's one um, character in the film who has absolutely no impact on the plot whatsoever. Yeah, he does. And he no, deliberately he has no impact. No, he just randomly appears. I, I kind of thought, oh, is there an alternate ending where yeah. he was the killer or and something And it was the like same that. guy who was a big Harlan Thromby fanboy in the first film. Yeah, it was, it was that guy. I thought, oh, I wonder if he's going to pop up again. And he might, if there's a third or fourth or whatever, if yeah. Brian Johnson decides to, to make a series, yeah. which I hope he does. He's his John Ratzenberger. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically he pops up as, as the same character. Um it, it just it's so random but yeah there's lots of little throwaway lines I, I think the, the script for me I'd say it's as good as if not better um, the, the script is definitely wittier it's, it's funnier there's more laugh out loud lines laugh out loud lines it's very the amount of rewrites were incredible because every oh, line means something the amount of reverse engineering in a good way that would have had exactly. to have been done well, it's, it's the kind of film where you, yeah. you, you probably have to write it backwards I mean I, I don't know his, his process at all but I would imagine if you're writing a murder mystery you start off with the, the person and you probably put it backwards I don't know it must be so hard it must be so nerve wracking as well because you'll shoot bits for early in the film and you're thinking am I being too obvious Definitely. and of course when you watch it it's like you wouldn't notice it at all because you, you don't realise that sentence means something no that's it it's not until well, unless you are super sharp and you, you pick it all up first time around it's one of those films especially with Knives Out as well that it kind of does give a lot more on repeated viewing um pardon me um, that's not to insult anyone's intelligence or anything like that but it's, I find it does some films you, you can you watch them once and think yeah right that's it I'm never going to see that again um, and then others have like a massive rewatchability definitely just I'll watch both of, again many many times I will for I do sure. enjoy yeah, them very much yeah same as would I definitely um, hugely enjoyed it um, yeah if, if you can catch a listener do, do go and check it out um, Double Bill with, with, with Knives Out for sure um, and you'll have an absolute whale of a time and yeah just don't, get over the hurdle of don't double bill Avatar though who's got six hours <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus I think I know um, or, or double bill Avatar with one of the, the that's on you know Knives Out yeah. maybe so that'll be that'll be yeah, interesting two completely different films like Oil and Water um, I think at the Prince Charles Cinema I think sometime in January they're doing the Lord of the Rings extended edition I'm going to say the marathon difference is that's one film Jesus and that's one film in three yeah, that's going to be a long one. That's yeah. going to be a long one. We're covering that's, them in twenty twenty. That's going to be a bottom number. That. Is... Yeah, I remember when a few of us from JBR went to go and do the Bond marathon at the time. I think they showed six films, 
um, in where were we? Were we upstairs or down? I think we were upstairs. Um, that was my first question. But which floor were you on? <laughs> well, you got two. You got the upstairs screen and the downstairs screen. Um, and the upstairs screen is very nice because it's got very comfy seats. Um, but the downstairs is, is it's a very nice cinema of Prince Charles. Um, but it's a bit of a flea pit. <laughs> But it's very lovely. Um, I mean, a lot, lot of cinemas around, in round centre of London are pretty. A little bit like that, but it's, it's, it's. I love that what Becca's effectively said there, if she's honest, is Prince Charles is lovely, but it's shit. <laughs> no, it's, it's not shit. It's just it's upstairs and it's a bit nicer than it's downstairs, but still, you know, the seats are very comfy. I mean, I've never heard um, flea pit as a compliment. <laughs> Well, well I'm, you don't I'm see that, do you? A well-appointed flea pit available hundreds of... something similar, so I'm backpedalling. A studio back. flea pit available hundreds of £75,000. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a bit more market flea pit, definitely. Um, but no, just because the seats are comfier upstairs, um, which is really hard because obviously we were trying to stay awake mm. whilst, you know, Casino Royale and likes were kind of unfolding, and I think it kind of... We all struggled towards the end of it. So anyway, whilst we were all watching the Bond films upstairs... Brave Hobbits were um, doing the Lord of the Rings trilogy downstairs, um, and I think both by the end of it we were all a little bit like the following morning we were looking equally haggard. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but we survived, you know. Well, the Lord of the Rings, obviously, we're just looking ahead to next year. Um, we're covering the Lord of the Rings. Well, we, we, our next series we're in the midst of some westerns at the moment, but our next series and we'll keep Charlie on for this is um, Tolkien. So Maybe we're going to be do, we're going to be doing the 1978 Bakshi film. Charlie may suggest one or two other things to add, but at the moment that's what's in our head, and then we'll do the release order of the uh, Peter Jackson films. Now, of course, when you're prepping for them, certainly I'll be watching both versions and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's a lot to it, and there's a lot of it, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait. Actually, um, I must confess I've not seen them in a long, long time, but I'm looking forward to getting into the animated series definitely. Um, it's a shame because they're actually perfect movies to watch around Christmas, I think. Well. <laughs> we can go a long journey oh, just to My wife's working to tonight, I'll sling them on now then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that's, that's uh, The Glass Onion. Is, yeah. that the, is that the last movie? It's the last one I've got down. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't I've even got... do a list. I totally forgot to do a list. Nah. I just chimed in saying, oh, I've seen that, or oh, I haven't seen that. So, I think I think we covered most things. I mean, I, I mean, that. Uh, to, to talk about knives out, I'll, I'll, I'll just say um, I wasn't that enamoured by it. <laughs> um, I'm probably like one of the few people who wasn't the biggest fan. I don't know. I just found it kind of a bit too clever for its own good. Yeah. If you if you get what I mean, it's kind of see what we need. Clever, what we need clever. is really dumb murder mysteries where the detective gets there, spends two hours, and then just goes. Oh, I don't no, know. <laughs> that's, that's that's not what I mean. What I mean. What I mean, I mean, like, and and to, and to be honest, by by listening to you guys talk talk about it, I'm like, all right, oh, you know, clearly you, it's both great, like Glass Onion and, and that. But I listen, I'm th- I'm thinking this sounds like it's had so much thought put into it yeah. that like it just disappears up its own ass, surely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's that you know what I mean? It's that it feels like it's that like complex, but that every inch thing's thought out and everything's all twisty or turny. That it's like is this is this for about every inch of his life that it just becomes nonsensical? Yeah, you know I mean, does... uh, well, it's it, the I mean, funny will, thing is, it's given the it illusion of twist and turn. Actually, everything you're told you're told is reasonably straight. Yeah, um, I'll go into an open mind. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I sound like I'm prejudging. Yeah, it, but nothing's but... for everyone. I was talking to yeah. in a conversation yeah, with someone worry. today who hated the Batman. You know, it's like, well, 
Let's just because I'm into sort of like sort of Christine Murder, murder mystery stuff like that. Well, Bur- burger so mysteries. Burger mysteries, yeah, very delicious. What he turns up two hours later, no idea who did it, but he's had a lovely burger. <laughs> and it's not even a veggie burger. And, oh my and God. you know what? You can't beat a good burger. It's probably <laughs> probably one of the best meals you probably have. Well, Mr. Delicious Burger, definitely. What better message? What better way to look back on 2022? Speaking it was a good of, burger. Speaking of good burgers, and uh, I've, I've, that's the only reference I'll make to it. Uh, one of the movies, the, my surprises movie of the year, which we've not mentioned. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys heard of it. The, the, the menu. Have you guys heard? Oh, that? I, I haven't seen got, that. No. I, I Apparently, had, it's really good though. I had tickets to see it twice. Um, uh, I, one time, just quickly. One time, I couldn't get there. And oh, the really? second time I got there, it was like roadworks and everything else. And I got in there. I, I just had one of those days, right, where everything went wrong. And I actually got into the car park and I lightly dinked the car. And when I got out, I hadn't, oh, no, done, I hadn't done any damage, right? But it was enough to, for me to go, fuck it, and drive home. Oh, no. So, yeah, uh, epic journey. Uh, so it, it was just one of those that it doesn't feel meant to be. So I'll get a rip soon. I've not seen it. I'm meant to see it. And I had tickets to see it. Uh, um, this is Ray yeah. Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy in her film debut, probably. <laughs> yeah, yes. she's literally, she, like, I feel like 2021, 2022 has been the year of Anya Taylor-Joy. Well, my favourite film of last year was Last Night in Soho, and that was hers. Yeah, amazing, incredible. Yeah, I kind of feel like, yeah, the last couple of years has totally been, you know, the year for her. Um, you can't really escape her, it's not a well, problem, she's fantastic. She... She's just got like such a defining like look to her, doesn't she? She does, uh, doesn't she? Oh, we did mention she was the lead uh, lead woman in the Northman as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, uh, yeah, so, so this year has definitely been her year, 2021, so, 2022. I will say, so the, the menu is my uh, pleasant surprise of the year. Um, I went into it not not knowing too much about it really. I was I was thinking it was going to be more satirical, kind of like the trailers made it look like a horror. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I seen, wondered that, you know. I, I hadn't seen any trailers, so uh, I, just went, I just went by the basic premise of like... Is it a bit like League of Gentlemen, where... No, not Or, or Soylent like Green, where the people no. are, they're eating the food, people are eating human so, meat or something like that. So, the premise is... No, no, uh, no spoiler alert, but it, look, it looks fantastic. You've basically got Ralph Fiennes, who's this, like, high, top-class chef who lives who uh, lives and works at this restaurant in this remote island off the coast stuff somewhere. Not much passing uh, trade then. Yeah. But no, but he's that he's that like well known, established like like that you know, like ha- that highly wealthy people go to that island to eat there kind of thing. It's like um and you've got uh basically three like rich kind of young yuppies. You've got like John Lugiza as a um as a fading movie star who's who's like dumb and arrogant at the same time. Uh you've got a couple who you go there who are regulars to to this island, and you've got um, uh, Nicholas Holt who plays uh, a bit, essentially like a foodie. He's like he's just like he's a bit of a fanboy of uh, of our fine's character, mm-hmm. and he's bringing on like this new date, Anatella Joy, who uh, is a last minute addition uh, to the... addition to the menu. Well, uh, yes, essentially. <laughs> so um... I just had this vibe that like. They end up eating people. So, <laughs> I was like, oh, no, well, that. no, no, it, it doesn't doesn't go that way. But it, oh, it, it, that's it, it it's equally bonkers. It is okay. like, it, I mean, because I wasn't expecting it to go like all dark and horror. Hot and Should horror you go in on an empty stomach, or can I watch it as a vegetarian person? You can, you can. I mean, I, I'll be honest. At the end of it, I was like, I was, that's what I mean. I was craving a really good burger. It's like that's, oh, 
that's one of the nicest. Uh, anyway, I, I, I don't want to spoil it too much because it, it, it's, it's very satirical. It's very odd. Um, I'm not sure whether it'll quite hang together on a second rewatch. It's, it's, either, it's either I'm either going to watch it and think, that's one of my favourite films. Or I'm like, really? oh, it didn't quite hang. But the first viewing was like, I, I was generally like, oh, I, oh, oh, I, was, I wasn't quite expecting this. Oh, Oh, I think I quite. Oh, I'm quite. It, it, it's it's quite enjoyable in a kind of like really off weird circuit kind of way. Um, uh, so I'd I'd highly recommend. I'm not going to say too much because if if you, if you don't know anything about it or you don't know too much about it, I'm not going to ruin it for you. But it, it's it is very like um, it's very satirical, dark, fun. I would say. Um, and yeah, so I'd I'd highly recommend it. Uh, and yeah, so that's that's my. Uh, I've been looking for a download one. for a while, to be quite honest about it. I haven't seen one yet. Yeah. I will uh, do. Because I missed it, it. It should be out soon, though. I'm sure the thought there'll be some. Uh, there will be. BD release date for it. I'm yeah. sure. Oh, hang on. A Blu ray and DVD release on January 17th, so it's not going to be too long. Oh, well, I'll rent it then. Oh, cool. Oh, film released on digital platforms on the 3rd of uh, January the 3rd. So. Awesome. I'll have So, that, yeah, then. so that's my, that's my recommendation. I'll be um, watching that next week then. The only other thing is uh, the King's Man, which I suppose technically came out last year, but I saw it last year. Did. That's why it wasn't in my list. But yeah, yeah, um, I, I think I rewatched it as well because it, it um, got just... slaughtered. What by in re- in reviews? Yeah, generally. Um, I thought it's well. I don't think that's quite fair though. I liked cause, it because I thought it's better than the second Kingsman film. Wasn't yes, it, wasn't it on the streaming as well? I want to say uh, yeah, Disney it went Plus, or... it went Disney Plus. Yeah, it's on is Disney it, Plus. It? Now. Yeah, that's it is on Disney Plus. Well. Now I'd forgotten it was there, but it is. I liked it more than the second film. I really didn't like the second one, to be fair though. But no. I loved the first, mm. and I quite liked this one. There were things yeah, I didn't yeah, like brilliant. about it, but I liked it. And second film middling, um, and then the second film, uh, the third film, brilliant. I thought. Well, I, did, I thought you know the, did you notice the similarities in terms of like plot points? So what what I noticed was um, uh, spoiler alert is when the, the sun gets shot at the head is kind of like a similar part where, uh, where uh, oh yeah of similar beats shot, yeah shot in the head same kind of like slow motion same yeah. kind of like poignant moment yeah I thought ah oh, that's quite we've seen this before yes I but, think I saw it around Christmas but they are both completely different films both different in vibe and. I, I liked it, but sometimes they both work well. it, it cuts both ways as well. I didn't really like No Way Home, the Spider-Man film, and everyone wanked off over it. Mm. So uh, you know, uh, we're all different, and occasionally, you know, I, I saw someone whose opinion I respect tonight. Really, not not yours because you haven't seen it yet, not because I don't respect your opinion. You haven't seen it yet. But Glass Onion, I saw someone tonight just saying how awful it was, and it's like, well, mm. I'm, you just got to stay true to what you think. I liked it, you know, and. Um, I thought The King's Man was alright. I didn't think it was a great film, but I liked it. It was, yeah. it was enjoyable. It was a good romp. Yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with that one. Um, and yeah, and the, the menu, I really recommend that one. As yeah. a, not saying it's it's the best film. Ever no, it's before. the one I meant to get to though. It's it, it, it's definitely one worth catching because it's quite interesting and fun and in a satirical kind of way. Okay. Cool. Well, that's 2022 done. Um, I doubt we'll do yearly reviews every year because we've kind of had to race through this one but we'll see um, in terms of next year like I say we haven't worked out the entire schedule yet but we can promise you Tolkien is on it coming soon 
coming soon, lots and lots of walking. So, um... <laughs> so return some jewellery. And we also will bust out those, um, <laughs> those, those really terrible impressions what? of Andy Circuits. Oh my gosh. Oh god, you, can you do a golem, can you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll have to yeah, brush off our golem impressions. Okay. I don't think I could do that without ripping my throat to shreds. Yeah, I, I can't do it at the moment, but I probably, I probably can try. <laughs> Probably not right now, but yeah, Does it sound try. like what's your name? Gollum. First name. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, it doesn't. My no. precious. <laughs> yeah. I I can do that, but I'll do it in a silly voice. But yeah, when I'm not full of horrible cold and lurgy, yeah. um, I'll, I'll try and do an impression. It's terrible, but it's funny. It makes me laugh. All right, well, this was a little bonus episode, folks, and we've already announced, announced the next one on one of our canon episodes, so I'm just going to say you can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter. You can find me at Cinematronics on Twitter, uh, where you can find all, you find uh, find all the episodes on Cinematronics.co.uk, where you're on Podbean as well. Um, if you randomly want to follow me on Twitter, um, this is probably the only time I'll ever give it out. That's our underscore view movies. Um, although I do keep threatening to abandon Twitter at some point. Yeah, but she's been threatening for years, so I'm not too worried. I have been, so I probably won't do that. But if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can. highly recommend it. It's a pleasant experience. It's at Expect Us to Talk on Twitter. But you can find us across social media. Um, and we're on 99.9% of all the major podcast platforms. So wherever you pick your pods from just type in do you expect to talk you'll find us on there do check us out wherever you listen to us wherever you get your pods from don't forget to kind of leave us a five star glowing review um and nice rating um helps us to rank higher um tickle those algorithms a little bit and attract more listeners um likewise when we've figured the schedule a little bit more of the coming year we'll, we'll announce it and let's know what, what films we're covering um we'll let you know what films we're covering um, if there's a series of films you'd like us to do, please get in touch. Um, you can drop us an email, expect us to talk at gmail.com. Um, you can tweet us, you can find us on Facebook. Um, yeah, do let us know what you'd like us to review, if anything. Thank you. All right, folks, so I'm just going to sign off by saying Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for all your support this year. Apologies for the delay. There will be delays this year. That's just the way we are. But thank you for sticking with us for nearly eight years now. Oh my gosh, that's frightening, isn't it? But yes, thank you so much, everybody. Really appreciate all your support and love. Um, hopefully you'll be with us for the next eight years and, and beyond. But yeah, um, hope everyone had really happy holidays. And I wish everybody a happy, healthy and successful 2023 and beyond. Happy New Year.